Hello and welcome to the Ten Pence Arcade Podcast. This is where we review one game a month and this month, kids, we've got a really good night. My name is Sean Holly and sitting to my left 270 miles away is Victor Marland. Hello, it's Hello. by the way. You're gonna, are you going to swear a lot in this thing? <laughs> I might have to. We might have to block a few of these naughty words out, as the robot have just done, hopefully. Uh, yeah, hi, this is the Tenpence Arcade Podcast. My name's Victor Marland. I am in a bad mood. How are you, Sean? <laughs> I'm, I am in a very good mood, actually. We're in, we're in a bit of lockdown at the moment. So a bit of lockdown? Is that what you call it? A bit of lockdown? Well, it's only half a lockdown, isn't it? Half the country can work and the schools can go to school and the universities can go to university. I don't understand it. Manufacturing can still work, but we can't. Hospitality mm. shut. It doesn't make any sense, Victor. I don't know what's going on. It sort of does, but I don't think it's very good the way they've done it. So the first thing we normally discuss, Sean, is what we've been up to. I've been doing a few little things, actually. Um, on one thing, this has really pleased me this did. I'm on Instagram. Are you on there? Yeah, on the gram, it's all I ever do on it really is put pictures of things I've made, you know, my joysticks and little circuits and that um, Pico 8 computer thing I did and stuff like that. I do a lot of those kind of things on there, but that's all I really do it for. And I do follow a few other people, just many comics and some friends, that sort of stuff. But one Mm. thing that happened is um, Owen Rubin, the creator of Space Jewel and Major Havoc, and some other games as well. He liked and commented on a picture that Chris CMP, arcade photographer on Instagram, took a picture of his setup, uh, his Vectrex setup running Space Jewel on Vec Fever using a pair of my Space Jewel controllers, and Owen Rubin liked it. So I had a nice little conversation with Owen. I got in contact with him uh, about Vectrex and the controllers. He's trying to get hold of a Vectrex for himself. So anyone who is in the San Francisco Bay area can help out a true arcade legend, please get in contact with either him or me, and I'll pass it on. Yeah, that's good, Dad, isn't it? Really nice. Yeah, I was yeah, really pleased excellent. to see that. Because he, he sort of asked Chris, oh, where did you get these from? You know, and, and I sort of got in contact. Oh, I made them. And yeah, it's really nice talking to him. Another thing I've been doing lately is uh, Pengo, which was our last month's game, which everyone loved, Sean. Sean, everyone loved last month's game. Everyone Quite a few did. did. Quite Ev- a few every it, single yeah. person. Nobody Some disliked found it. found it frustrating, though. No, that was just you. <laughs> that was just you. He's all right. He's right. Like so remember that. Remember, remember until the end of the podcast. Right. Everyone loved my game. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Anyway, Pengo is actually on the Crafty Mech Bitkit FPGA hardware, which I've got. It's a little board in one of my uh, my ISIS cabinets, and I've been playing that. It works really nicely on there, and it sounds much better in proper hardware as well. I didn't realise how different mm. the sound was, but it's much better on the hardware than main. Oh, miles better. I also, oh, this is a bit of, it's still sore actually now. I sprained my <laughs> thumb a few weeks ago. I think it was yeah. the first week into the, the, the playing the game. And it was really silly. I was out doing a bit of gardening. I was just cut the grass and I was putting the grass bucket into the, the green recycling bin I use. And what I do is I turn the bucket upside down, put my hand inside and just push it down so it squashes all the grass down. And I sort of mm. pushed it down with my hand sort of splayed out. And I pressed down, and my thumb just went, crack. I went, oh, that didn't sound good. And it really, really hurt. Wife made me go to the hospital, because I was just thinking I would be okay. But I thought, oh, actually, I might have broken it. It made a really loud crack. So we went down there with some frozen peas, and it was absolutely killing me. I got in and out of the of the 
hospital down at West Middlesex near me in 45 minutes. Now, I had a look at it first, x-rayed it, came back with the x-ray, looked at it again, put a sort of like a real sticky plaster on it to try and sort of stop it moving around. I didn't actually break it, it was just a bad sprain. And told me to sort of stay off it for five five days. But I still went to work and sort of did some light work. But it was really badly bruised on my hand. A couple of days later, the bruise came out really badly. So you didn't you didn't do it playing City City Connection then? I, I did it did. so I didn't have to play City Connection. I thought if I uh, if I disguise this as as a gardening accident, I won't have to play this ridiculously stupid game. I've mentioned <laughs> it by the way. <laughs> Can I, just one thing I am worried about. Mm. What happened to the bag of peas? Actually, actually, that's a lie. It was sweet corn. Oh, what happened to the sweet corn? Were they used or were they... Stop. Hold on. What does he mean by used? No, the, the they, they were sort of... I don't know. Wife took them back with her because she couldn't stay with me. She had to get back for the dog. And I was there on my own. So I'm not sure what happened to the sweet corn. It's a sweet corn mystery, Sean. I wonder if the nurses had them. No, they didn't. Like she to... took them in the car. So I left her in the car park and went in on my own because with COVID and stuff, you, you can't really go in together. She wanted to stay with me, but they wouldn't let her. And uh, mm. yeah, so maybe we could call this podcast the Sweet Corn Mystery Podcast. <laughs> yeah, I am concerned because how big was the bag? Was it like a kilo bag? Or... Yeah, I think it was. It was quite a big bag. <laughs> it was quite soggy by the time I finished. <laughs> oh, God. They got, yeah, the throat. Oh, dear. Uh, no, I, not to worry. We'll get do you know what? The next day, I trapped a nerve in my neck as well. I think I was so stressed out with things going on, and it still hurts. Now, I'm, I've got sore thumbs both sides, because one I've got like a, a broken nail, which is at work. I've got a sore thumb from spraining the other side, sore neck, and I'm really tired, because I've been just doing stupid work lately, because my work's been messing me about. It's a pain in the backside. Oh dear. But other stuff that's been going mm. on, not not personally, but I've got, some, I've got things to say, Sean, things to say. Yeah. You you put this one on our notes. This is uh oh. Yeah. Would you like to explain what the note is about? Yeah, I found this on Twitter or somewhere, but it's a link to a new multi-cade, multi-arcade. Just CR what, won't stop. Let me get the right the right piece of equipment for this. L C D Bonanza. <laughs> it, it's three hundred. It's at games. You know how good they are. Yeah, at they're games, really they're, good, aren't they? Legend Ultimate 300 multi-game arcade machine, £799, 300 games ready to play, and the control panel looks like someone's just thrown a load of base, thrown all the controls from 1980 to 83 and just thrown it on the panel. Yeah, all, of one of, all of them. Yeah, it's one of them, isn't it? Mm. And I, I don't hold out much hope for that one. What do you think, Vic? Right. You've had a bit of a rant here. I don't. It's, it's a sort of a, a calm rant because yeah, I don't want our listeners and friends who who might be uh, new listeners perhaps or getting into you know retro games, retro arcade stuff, and they think, oh, I want a cab. You know, I want a cabinet at home. I've got some room for a cabinet, or whatever. And they go out and buy one of these things, and they'd be terribly let down by it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that to happen. I understand that. You know, some people aren't handy with tools and woodworking and electronics and, you know, all that sort of stuff. They can't make themselves one. And maybe they're a little bit worried about buying an old cabinet and it breaking down and they can't fix it and all this sort of stuff. Well, these things aren't great for that sort of thing because I put in my notes here. It's a piece of, oh, I can't say, no, naughty, poop uh, with widescreen. Uh, and I've also said about this one we're looking at, the app games thing, I wonder if all the games are licensed. It's £800, as you said, and you've got mm. to assemble it yourself. 
But sort of with furniture type things and cabinets, you know, if you're buying something, you nearly always have to make it yourself anyway. So that's that yeah, sort of yeah. fair play. But, you know, it's an electronic-y thing. You'd think it might be made and delivered that way. I don't know. But these things are abominations. They really are. And I've recently been part of a, a UK VAC Facebook page conversation. I'm on the UK VAC Facebook page, which is a forum we, we frequent. And these new arcade machines that keep popping up from either toy manufacturers, uh, novelty goods companies, and also, the probably the worst of the bunch, is DIY builders selling on eBay and places mm-hmm. like that. They're usually smaller than a regular-sized arcade machine or a bar-top style, and they're built from usual 12mm MDF-type material or even thinner. And obviously, um, old-school arcade machines are usually three-quarters, which is 19mm, you know, thick wood. Yeah. And they're usually finished in a full plastic-coated printed wrap, and it's usually got bad art on it or stolen IP artwork from the you know original games. They're all, every single one of them I've ever seen is a small flat screen TV or a monitor. And they're all emulation of some kind, obviously. Uh, mm. Some manufacturers are actually licensed to sell certain games, so you can't rule them out. But with most of these, especially the DIY builders selling on eBay for lots of money, none of the game ROMs bundled with them are legitimate. You know, you shouldn't be, used, I know we use them in MAME and stuff, but you shouldn't be selling things with other people's work on. If you want to go and get them yourself, that is up to you. That's how the sort of law works. Sort of grey area. And the problems with these all these certain things is the screen, I reckon. It's the worst part. If you look at an arcade machine, the first thing your eye's drawn to is the screen in it. And with all these old arcade machines, they are CRTs, old, you know, very basic old TVs or old monitors. Now these bar top things or these skinny cabinets couldn't house a CRT monitor anyway, even a 14-inch decased old TV set. And there's no CRTs being made anymore, so that's fine. But the screens that are being used in these mainly widescreen things, widescreens were never used in classic arcade machines. They never were. Anything beyond, uh, before, what, 2010, do you reckon? Anything from then back to like the 70s? They didn't have a widescreen. Yeah, some of the gun games did, but that, that sounded oh, like right. late 90s, isn't it? Well, they actually used widescreens. I think so, yeah. Because I thought CRTs in arcade machines never came in widescreen. There was always 4.3. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, LCDs. LCDs yeah, LCDs were, were later on in the arcade. You know, you can yeah. expect that, but obviously when CRTs aren't being made anymore. Yeah, so these things are always widescreen, right? And... You know, the widescreens weren't inventors in the 80s and 90s. So, but there are still loads and loads and loads of 4 3 aspect LCD screens around. So, you can still get them. I'm not sure you can still get them brand new, but they're still around. I've got loads mm. at the house. You can get them at, at car boot sales and old electronic manufacturers and, and charity shops and that sort of stuff. And, you know, people give them away on uh, recycle and all that sort of stuff. You know, those things on online. But even if you do have to use. Um, a widescreen thing or you know a brand new some of them even advertise brand new lcd 169 you know the ratio is 169 but you can actually a maker could blank off the sides with a nice bezel so you, you don't think it's a, a widescreen and all the software can run in 4.3 all emulators can run in 4.3 and usually they do by default anyway so you could hide the the bit of the screen that isn't being used and you can also use the software that runs these games. You nearly always got uh, scan lines uh, programming them, so you can like you know run this, make it look like it's got scan lines, like an old CRT TV. And you can also yeah. buy for about 
I think they're less than £10, a little device called a scanline generator. And it goes in between the computer running the emulation and the screen, and it gives you scan lines. It actually blanks out lines of the screen, so you can actually make them bigger or, or smaller than you want. So you could yeah. use that, and it, it can look a little bit more like an official, you know, an old arcade screen. And also put in a, a bit of a smoked plexi over the top of it, just a, a slightly smoked plexi, hides impurities and makes it look more old school. But none of these people tend to do it. It's really weird how they don't mm. want to make it look old and authentic and retro, even though it's playing retro games on it. Yeah, it's just to get a quick buck. And it's, it's a trend now, isn't it? They're like the, the mini consoles is a trend. And these these sort of full-size and bar-top things are a bit of a trend at the minute. People yeah, they've been for a while. But dispensable another... income. Onto the controls of these things now, which is also a massive sticking point for me. How many arcade games need eight buttons per player? Can you name one arcade game that uses eight buttons? Yeah. No, you can't. They'll... Yeah, I can. They'll now, listen, say... right? I'm well, asking this question to an individual who works in an arcade and that has got modern arcade games in it as well, and you can't name one game that uses eight buttons, so why do they do it? I can. There's a, there's a remix of Street Fighter Five called Street Fighter Five. Eight button crazy, edition. Eight button crazy legs edition. I where, think you're lying. Where where the Hadouken guy? You it's press a spider, and you use you use get, a button for each leg. That's a good idea. I didn't think of that. Yeah. No, there's not. No, go on. So, but what I think they do, and it's obvious when you think about it, is they they do it so you can play because it's got an emulator on there. And they might use something like RetroPie or whatever. They can play emulated console games, but yeah. who wants to play Crash Bloody Bandicoot on a pretend bar top arcade machine? Now, the one from At Games we mentioned a minute ago, as this is how this is the actual controls in it, right? Because you alluded to it. It's got mm. two joysticks, six buttons per player, a spinner each player, so two spinners, and a trackball in the middle. Plus. Four control buttons, presumed for escaping out of games and choosing games and stuff. Why? 90% of arcade machines in the arcade had a single stick, maybe per player if you've got a two-player two uh, control panel, and three buttons per player. That was the jammer standard, three buttons. Who wants to play Dig Dug at the control deck of the Starship Enterprise? It's madness. Using branded controllers... stick as well, I bet. Yeah, more than likely. But, I mean, you, you could... There were joysticks released. I remember years ago, it might have been the Magstick or whatever, that had a selector on top, so you can choose between four and eight. Well, that'd be a nice little touch as well. Or maybe mm. a sort of lever at the front you could get to or something. I don't know. But, you know, Ultimark um, produce a the servo stick, which you can actually press a button, and it will change automatically from four to eight way. They could put those in if they wanted to. I know it's an added expense, but it would make it nicer. Mm-hmm. You know, play, playing a four-way game with an eight-way joystick is not nice. It really isn't. No, it don't work, does it? It don't work? It works not too bad if you've got an octagonal restrictor, but I doubt these things have got octagonal restrictors in them. I doubt that very much. Mm-hmm. Also, if they, use, if they use branded controllers rather than the poor Chinese knockoffs, it might give them a bit more life as well, because they tend to use not even the, the half-decent knockoffs. There are a lot about. There's some good joysticks about that are very similar to Sanwa and, and Samitsu's. But, you know, you can feel sometimes how cheap they are, and especially the buttons. You can feel how clicky and horrible they are. <laughs> Don't mm. like it. 
But yeah, especially if little Jimmy's going to be bashing him with his wooden Bertie the bus when he loses a life. Or how you do it, headbutting the thing. Yeah, so th- those things, if you're listening to a show and you're thinking about buying an arcade machine, get in contact. I'll give you as many hints and tips as you like, but I, I wouldn't buy one of these things if I were you. You're going to be do- If you've been to arcade club or an old arcade, remember things, how they were, and you want that in your home, these things are not going to provide it. They will give you the games, but you will not have the same sensory experience as an arcade machine. You'll have mm. nothing like it, and you'll be feeling cold and left out in the rain, Sean. Just get, just start with a little Raspberry Pi and a little NES controller, and just just play a few games and see how you feel. If you want to play yeah. a load at home, then you know invest in a jammer cab or something. Yeah, because even even jammer cabs, you know, even if um, a jammer cab had uh, a VGA CRT screen in it with with Mame on it, or you know, one of the sixteen ones that runs on on VGA, that is ten times better than these things. Mm. Now, I've got nothing against VGA screens as long as they're CRT, as long as they've got that curvature and the scan lines. Jobs are good. Un. It's the LCDs, but I mean, as I said. Even if they have to use LCDs now, if you're mass producing these things and you've got to use an LCD screen because that's all it's about nowadays, it's fine. But make it look like an old screen a little bit. You know, at least get the aspect ratio right for goodness' sake. Christ, that's yeah. not difficult, is it? My my latest version of Mame that I've got on here, which is SDL Mame, it's a Linux one. Yeah. There's these these filters you can put on it, and they're amazing. I've downloaded them. It's it's some kind of script that you run. Okay. And the the screen is curved. The scan lines are on there, but you know where you get the blur and the and yep. the, the glow. They've somehow managed to do that on an LCD, and it's running on just standard Mame. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got that myself because I've got SDL Mame because it, it's it. It works on the Mac, so I presume it's a certain thing, and it's it's slightly differently not produced. Uh, you know, the source code is used in a certain way, but it's SDL MAME on the Mac as well, and it's very good. I think I think you might lose a little bit of uh, performance if you've got a, a low end processor for using those those things. But they do look quite nice, and you can even get the the effects for like vector games and stuff. It gives you sort of slight glow and fuzziness and stuff like that. Very well clever. It's really good, yeah. Yeah, but they don't tend to. They seem to be quite lazy with the software on these things as well. So yeah, mm. yeah. If you if you want to get an arcade machine, get in contact with me, and I'll give you some hints. And also, I was going to put this at the end of the notes, but I just mention it now. A certain podcaster from a certain podcast is delivering round uh, an arcade machine to me tomorrow night to have a look at for him because I think he's just bought it. And I used to own this thing, so I know my way around it a bit. And I was going to do the once over for him. And he'll be a proud owner of a jammer cab then. Ooh. We're infecting him, Sean. We're, all, we're infecting all the podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> right, some news here. Sega Sammy, the holdings company for Sega, has mm-hmm. sold its amusement center business to Gender, G-E-N-D-A, saying, you know, due to COVID the business is going down but this sees sega sammy selling off 85.1 percent of its shares in sega entertainment its amusement center subsidiary so there's already one closed in japan isn't there yeah but that's that's a big hit for sega isn't it selling off 85.1 percent of its amusement center subsidiary yeah what does sega actually do nowadays though they don't do software anymore are they just yeah, they still, do. They still do, don't they? they do yeah, them. no, but they use their old IPs. They're not making any new games, are they? Oh, no, I wouldn't have thought so. Because they just released those little 
those little tiny uh, game gears, didn't they? The four in, in Japan, the different coloured game gears. They're really, really tiny. They're ridiculously tiny. Yeah. No use to yeah. man nor beast those things. So yeah, I think they're just using their old gear to make a bit of money, and it's a bit of a shame, really. But I don't. I've got mixed feelings about Sega because Sega did do some really good games in the arcade. They made some really nice consoles. I've just recently got another Sega one myself, actually. We'll talk about later. But they they just didn't have a very good grasp on on business, did they? They made so many mistakes with the Mega Drive and the Dreamcast and the Saturn and mm. you know the three D three D what's it called the not three D FX what was it called the thirty two X. I mean, that was just a nightmare. And, you know, all the different add-ons, it just didn't have much of a clue what was going on. And Nintendo just took over, basically. Yeah, Dreamcast was ahead of its time, though, weren't it? It was... It yeah, was but the like, PlayStation 2 sort of jumped up and down on that a little bit, didn't it? It's our first machine to get on the internet. And that, now it's, it's seen as a, a really good machine. But oh, yeah. I don't know what, what they did with the marketing or anything, but... Yeah, I mean, the homebrew is still going on for a lot of these machines now. But, yeah... I like my Dreamcast a lot. It's awesome little thing. Especially got that GDMU in there now. I've got an SD card in it. It's brilliant. Mm. Yeah, a bit of a shame. I wonder what's going to go on with that then. Mm. Oh, talking about um, yep. Sega machines, did you know that Metal Slug 6 has been ported to the Dreamcast? It is on originally on the arcade hardware, Thomas Wave hardware. Mm-hmm. And it's been I do port- now. It's been ported because the Dreamcast, because the the Atomis hardware, Atomis Wave hardware, is almost the same as Naomi, which is almost the same as Dreamcast. So with not a lot of work going on, but obviously very very good work, they ported it to the Dreamcast. And also, just read recently, I think Rumblefish is coming to the Dreamcast, and King of Fighters twelve or thirteen. It was on the same hardware. So basically, all those hardware games on on. The Thomas Wave hardware will become to Dreamcast, and I've played Metal Slug Six, and it's a corker. It's a real good little game. Mm. Very nice. Sega did the the mini thing. They did the mini thing better than most people, didn't they? The Sega Mini Mega Drive, where you've got Japanese and Western versions on it, and emulation was good. And do you remember it? I not haven't. I haven't got one of those, so I'm not. I can't really say. But um, it was in the same kind of vein as the Mini NES, Mini SNES, Mini PlayStation, wasn't it? Mm. I've heard some good reviews of them, and obviously those things can be hacked, and you know, you can put whatever you want on there. Because I think they've all basically got roughly the same single board computer inside, Arduino or Pi or whatever based it is, ARM based thing, mm. and it can run loads of stuff. But yeah, it looks really nice, nice quality. Mm. Have you seen this? This is not arcade news, but it's kind of it Raspberry Pi four hundred. It's a keyboard for the Raspberry Pi. It's got a Raspberry Pi four kind of board in. It's not an actual Raspberry Pi four. Right. But it, yeah, it's, it's it's different, but it's got a board in and then it's got all the it's just a little keyboard, little squat keyboard, and then all the everything's there. All you need to do is power it up and put a TV in. So what what that's good for, I reckon, you know, it's it's based at school so there's a real 70 pound low cost computer for yeah, schools it's good, good price but because it's got a keyboard all these old retro games on the like the spectrum and the commodore 64 and everything that needed a keyboard like text adventures and yeah it'd be good for that can, wouldn't it you can emulate all that a lot and it'd be great because what a lot of people have done with the mister you know the fpga mister is they're they're building keyboards like with 3d printed pieces all put together and they put like a mechanical keyboard in, inside it, and then have the Mister in it, and it's all like a, you know, like an old BBCB or a Commodore sixty four or 
you know, an Atari 800XL or whatever. Everything is in the keyboard, like an old school home computer. And that's what they do mm. with the Mister. So you can have in the in the Mister, and you can play X68000 and arcade stuff and all these different things it emulates, all the cores it emulates. It's a really nice yeah, little thing. I mean, all in one little box is really nice. I like that a lot. It's good. Mm. And what I've been doing. Uh, Mr. Driscoll, Paul Drisk, has been doing a YouTube video on the A to Z of arcade games, which we were going to do, weren't we? But we forgot. We forgot. And it, we forgot. And he's gone through, he's going through every letter of the alphabet, which is, I think there's like 50 of them, is there? About 50 in the alphabet. It's a lot. It depends what alphabet you use. This is a Greek alphabet you're on about. The, the, the UK one. Something 30. like that. 30, 40, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's on, well, as, as we record, I think he's on C. So he's, he's like picked A five games beginning with a he's only he's only picking five mm-hmm. and he's reviewing them and then b then c and he's going all the way through so when he did the numbers one which was the first one he was talking about a 1942 series and i was oh i thought i, I played through them all because uh, of lockdown i've got a bit of time i played through all of the 1940s series well done sir which, i like them all yeah, I've never never really really got into him. Obviously, apart from 1942, 1943, I've just never got on with because I don't. Neither like have it. I. The power you, you can either when the power ups comes, you can either get more power or weapons. Yeah, you, you got to shoot them both. to get the weapons, haven't you? Yeah, then you got to mess around shooting the right one. Yeah, I don't like which that. I never like. That's why I don't like bells Ooh, and whistles no. and stuff like that. But yeah, I like it. I like it. Oh, and I've been playing lots of other stuff as well. We'll get onto that in a bit. Mm, nice one. You notice he's doing C at the moment. City Connection is nowhere near in his list. It is. No, it's not. He said he forgot it. He said he could have put it up. Yeah, yeah. The five he he agonised over choosing, he forgot to put City Connection on there. Yeah, sure. That's exactly what happened. He's going to remake the video and put it on. I'm going to remake you with my fists in a minute. (laughs) Take that. Ow. Just a minute. You said ow before I hit you. Let me do it again. Oh, my left cheek area going up to my ear is smarting. Yes, it's red. <laughs> oh, what now? Oh, yeah. Zach Weddington, I interviewed this guy, great guy. He's doing an, a documentary called The Arcade Dreams Movie. And Ooh, it's on Kickstarter. He, he was the guy behind Viva Amiga, which I don't know if, I, don't know if you saw. And I it wouldn't because I hate Amigas. It went to all the popular platforms like Netflix and Hulu and okay. all that lot. And he's he's asking for we put the interview in. He's asking for seventy one thousand. It's up to fifty five thousand. Ten days to go, but check that out, kids. It's yeah. very very good. And we'll put the interview in here. Hi Zach, how are you doing? Doing great. How's it going over there with you, uh, Sean? Terrible. <laughs> no, we're all right. <laughs> we're all right. Really. Yeah, here we are. Still in the COVID world. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're. Uh... The arcade where I work, it's just gone into lockdown for the second time, so there's no no customers, I'm afraid, at the moment. But anyway, enough about that. How are you? Uh, Doing all right. Yeah, we're uh, we're here in the middle of our Kickstarter for the Arcade Dreams documentary, and um, yeah, I don't know, like how much you know about it, or or uh, you know, how did you find us? How did you find out about it? Because we heard you were meant, you know, we were mentioned on your podcast. Uh, George Spanos, Spanos as he called, he, he, he contacted us and said, would you be interested in this? So we gave it a shout out on the last show and linked to the link to the Kickstarter, which is just live and it's just gone live. And awesome. uh, I've, just, I've just found out from there, really. 
Cool. Yeah, well, for people who don't know anything about it, it's a documentary series, multi-part, that we're working on about the history of arcades. And, um, you know, we're taking a really kind of a different approach than I'd say any documentary has done, and that we're, we're tracing arcades and arcade machines as they evolve over time, all the way going back to, you know, early 20th century. Yeah, that really interests me, that part of it, where, where the, you're going right back to like the penny arcades and that kind of thing. That's, that's fascinating to me, that. Yeah. It's stuff that I hardly knew anything about. Um, I, uh, yeah, I came up with the idea. Originally, I was going to do a documentary about Sega as, uh, what, you know, my next project. And um, just started looking up, you know, Sega history online. And I came across a guy out in California who had just these really incredibly old and rare Sega arcade machines that I'd never seen. You know, uh, fully electromechanical games, not video at all. And uh, I just couldn't believe how cool they were, especially this one, you know, Moto Champ game. Basically, it looks like you're playing Super Hang On, right? You know, yeah. From from the '80s, um, only it's completely constructed out of you know these little tiny motorcycles that move around, uh, you know, uh, with magnets and um, yeah, all of this, all this uh, kind of clockwork stuff to pull off the illusion. It's really cool stuff. And so, um, you know, I uh, decided that we, you know, there was a lot more of this kind of stuff out there that I hadn't seen and didn't know anything about. So expanded the ideas, you know, the idea to be 100 years of arcade history. So you're going all the way right up to present day or are you, are you sort of cutting off like in the 90s or are you going right up to, to now kind of thing? You know, we're going to bring it right up to now and and be looking towards the future as well. You know, we want to we want to see if we can kind of trace where things might be going with virtual reality and, um, you know, new kinds of arcades and arcade concepts that keep coming up. Um, yeah. As well as talk about consoles too, because I don't think you can really talk about arcades and, and not go into consoles, at least in a somewhat substantial way, you know? Yes. Yeah, so, so what's a bit of your background, Zach? How, how, how come you're so interested in it? Well, I basically grew up in arcades back in the 80s. Um, I was just absolutely obsessed with them. Um, and yeah, you know, like uh, when I was when I was young, I, you know, within walking distance, I had a roller skating rink and an ice skating rink um, and even a grocery store that all had arcades in them. So, yeah, I would just be over there as much as possible. You know, looking for the newest, latest uh, Sega game. Of course, that was always my favorite arcade stuff. And, you know, seeing things like OutRun come out, just mind-blowing, right? Yeah, yeah. I But I first went to arcade probably when I was, like, maybe five, like, before, you know, before I even have memories. I found a I found a token the other day of the first arcade that my dad and I went, ever, ever went to back in, like, 1983 or four. And um, I didn't even know I had this token, and it was like, whoa. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, it sounds really interesting. It, you've, you've seemed to have got loads of really good people to interview, and how, how have you managed that? Is, do you have any contacts, or you just sort of, like, knocked on the doors and said, like, you know, would you be interested in talking in this, in this documentary? You know, it all kind of, I guess... I, I I don't really have trouble getting people. It's amazing. I think they see the trailer and they pretty much realize, you know, how serious we are. 
Um, of course, we're all, you know, we're all working industry people in the film and TV business. And then this is just something, you know, that we do for us. Um, but yeah, like I've, um, you know, I did a documentary about the Amiga computer called Viva Amiga. And, um, oh, I think you know, I heard I, of that, you know, yeah, I met I met a lot of people, you know, through that. And, um, you know, really, um, I, I was I was more into the retro computing community at first. That's how I came up with the idea to do Viva Amiga is just going to these, uh, you know, retro computer shows and seeing all the, you know, classic computers, you know, from all over the world, you know, going back pretty far, you know, to like really early mechanical type computers. And um, of course, they had the Amiga there. And I, you know, I got to know people in that community. And then, uh, you know, I through the course of making Viva Amiga, I just really became part of, you know, another community of, I guess, uh, you know, developers and people who are huge fans of, you know, classic games. And yeah, like I'm kind of in that world and people are really nice. You know, they're, they're always uh, willing to help make connections for me because, um, yeah, they they believe in the project. We can't wait till it's done and out, you know. Yeah, we found that. We found like it, it, it's you get your contacts, and then people are just willing to talk. Who yeah. who have you got then? Who are the big names in the industry? Have you got, if you don't mind saying? Um, we we've you know yeah we've got a we've got a list on the website. We got Roger Sharp, right? He's known as the man who saved pinball. You know, is one of the greatest players in the world, and and you know like a, a major creator of, of, of pinball history. Um, Gary Stern, another one. Um, from Stern Pinball, Eugene Jarvis, you know, responsible for games like Defender, Robotron, Cruising USA, huge in the business. Uh, yeah, I've uh, met Eugene yeah. and Larry DeMar. I've met them both, and nice guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're interested to talk. Yeah, like some of these have been filmed, and then some are some are just, you know, they're coming up next year. One is uh, Ed Freeze. I think he's going to be really interesting. He's, he's a huge arcade lover. I'm looking at the picture of him right now with his Robotron. Um, he's the inventor of the Xbox. Ooh, um, I thought I remember, recognized his name. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's going to talk about his whole career in, uh, you know, the games business, which I really am interested to hear, you know, to be at the top of Microsoft like that. It's like, wow. And he's just, a arc, you know, he's got his own basement arcade like a lot of us do. It's really cool. Yeah. What, what I find really interesting, like, is the way the mechanical games have influenced the video games like a good example is the game periscope the sega game periscope that influenced yeah. seawolf is is that sort of the thing that you go through you go through right from the beginning and then talk about the influences and mm-hmm. that's that's Ye uh, sounds really interesting yeah you know like um the way i've kind of done some of my other films is that i love to you know start in the present and then rewind you know, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, in the beginning, like where are, you know, where are arcades now? And then wind back to the beginning and, you know, like the beginnings go back, the beginnings of arcade machines go back to things like speakeasies and, yeah. you know, bars and stuff where, you know, they would have these really kind of proto arcade machines that would be there called trade stimulators. And, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd play these games and maybe win like a cigar or something, right? Yeah. So they were they were there, yeah. As part of the whole you know sales thing, and like if you see if you look at the history of arcades, it's always kind of walking this line between gambling and games, and mm -hmm. at different at different you know points in you know through history, there's been you know like uh, battles over you know <laughs> what's gambling, what's you know <laughs> what what what's entertainment, right? Because 
the the roots of it are in gambling. Yeah, especially with that. You discuss like the pinball sort of thing of the nineteen twenties and thirties, where they were smashed to bits in in yeah. streets in Chicago and all that kind of thing. That started happening much later in the twentieth century too, and that's where Roger Sharp comes along because he was able to prove in a courtroom um, that pinball machines are not gambling, and that it's a game of skill. And he said, "Look, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna make this ball do exactly what I want." Because I, you know, I know how to control this thing, and he did. And there you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you can, if you can tell it what to do, it's not, a, it's not a game of mm. chance, really. Yeah. What, what do you think of? Do you cover the? We call them redemption games. You know, where you get tickets, and then you take the tickets to a counter, and you can redeem the tickets for a prize. Absolutely. Do you, do you, do yeah, you we want to those? cover all that stuff. Hey, claw machines. Why not? If it yeah. goes in an arcade, we wanted it in there. You know. Even great stuff like photo booth machines and all, you know, all that other stuff that you kind of tend to forget about. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. you know, um, kids love those. <laughs> That's why they're there, you know. <laughs> There's all kinds of cool arcade machines that I think, you know, we're going to even discover as we go along because, yeah, I'm in touch with this collector's community and, you know, they're the ones that have the one-of-a-kind machines, you know. Some of the stuff that we filmed is really only one of them in the world and they're worth, you know, lots lots of money although it's it's funny sometimes you never know how much you're going to be worth we've got an incredible sega uh game in there um i believe from 1970 or 1972 that um you know works with a 16 millimeter film projection type system to create a really cool like holographic effect and the whole cabinet's just beautiful but, you know, the guy um, who owns it, he says it's only worth like a few hundred dollars. And I'm just like, this thing looks like it belongs in a museum, right? Yeah, there's a lot of that preserving preserving the history, which concerns me. You know, like the older games that are going to get lost. And I, I reckon a lot of these newer ones, like the, the big molded plastic machines, like you see in the early 2000s and that, I don't think collectors... Are going to be interested in, especially not in the UK with the amount of storage yeah. space we have. They're not going to be interested in these things, and they're just going to get all smashed up, like things yeah. from that are still quite popular now, like the House of the Dead series and all that lot. I don't, I don't see, especially not UK people collecting that stuff. So that that'll be interesting to like archive all that. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, it's uh, hopefully, hopefully someone will someone will save them. I do do think about that. You think about that. So when, <laughs> so when have you sort of got it ready to go? Do you think? I read on the Kickstarter, it's sort of twenty twenty two. You're looking at. Yeah, like earlier in the year, um, we think we can get the Kickstarter backers all their stuff by then, pretty well. And then, um, you know, it'll depend a little bit on uh, you know how we choose to eventually release it. But, you know, the Kickstarters get their copies regardless and they, you know, they get their own, you know, that'll be like a Kickstarter version that they get. And then, um, you know, there might be shorter versions or other modified versions that get distributed. And, um, yeah, I think I'm I'm really confident we'll be able to get a good distribution deal. I was able to get one for Viva Amiga, which included a Hulu premiere. We did a, you know, a DVD. You can still buy the DVD, I believe. And then, yeah, you know, we were hitting... Um, number one spots on iTunes for documentary all over the world when we released it. So yeah, I, I, I think we'll get, we'll get it far and wide. You know, it's, it's my job, you know, as a producer and directors to get the film out to the largest, 
amount of people possible. So that's what I'll be doing. So you've got like a team of of film people. <laughs> what do you call them? Like like film a, people, yeah, yeah, editors yeah. and all that. Like, so you've got like a professional team behind mm-hmm. you as well, have you? Yeah, we do. And oh, it's just cool. yeah, it's all people you know, and they're you know they all work in the business, but they all are just arcade fanatics. Um, one of the guys that's working with us, his name is Bill Winters. He's known as Amiga Bill online. If you look him up, he's a big Twitch streamer. And yeah, uh, yeah, he he's the Amiga guy. But uh, yeah, I, I I got to know him from doing the the Amiga film, and I didn't even really realize at first that he was a really you know hot shot director of photography that works on famous shows, you know, and like, you know, just over the course of getting to know him, like, I'd be like, what are you, what are you up to? And he's like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, to Las Vegas and shoot Stephen Colbert or something like that. <laughs> or, wow. you know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm working on, you know, one of the things he did a while back was the Jeffrey Epstein documentary, which is huge on Netflix. Right. So he's yeah. a, he's an incredible, incredible um, director of photography and he's shooting the stuff and it just, you know, I want, I want people to know, like, this is not your, fan-made documentary you know like this is something that's uh, you know got a real high level of quality to it and we think it'd be much more entertaining than a lot of the arcade documentaries that we've seen you know yeah you can tell by the kickstarter it's just a level above it's so professionally done and the you know the the little clips where you're recording a a testarossa driving off and that (laughs) yeah it just gives you a hint of what's going to be in the in the documentary so it sounds really interesting and like you say a lot a lot better i would say than some of the others that that turn up you know the um that people's done in the basement with a, a phone and a keyboard and a yeah and some slippers and even stuff that's you know come out on bigger channels, we you know, we think we think this is going to be stuff that people haven't seen before. There's always this kind of tendency to just focus on, you know, the competitive aspects, which I love and we will cover. But they always want to focus on that, and they always want to focus on people like Billy Mitchell, you know, who's a very you know obviously interesting character in the you know yeah. in the arcade world. But um, you know, we think that there's other people out there like that too um, that uh, that are just as interesting. And we want to tell their stories. We're in touch with quite a few of them. Yeah, the people behind the scenes that you know that there's um, a really good podcast called the Ted Dabney Podcast, and they they talk to the the you know the people that did the monitors and the people that designed the games and the hardware and not not really big well known names. I know some of them right. are. and that, people that's... that run arcades. You know, people that yeah. run arcades, arcade operators too, and like yeah, like all those kind of people. Um, yeah, we've got you know, we've got some story cap- some stories captured from a guy about what it was like, you know, doing these these you know arcade runs through shopping malls at you know three in the morning, trying to collect like these huge bags of quarters, you know, yeah, and we're, and like worried about being robbed and um, yeah, just all the kind of crazy stuff that you might see in a shopping mall at three a.m. is uh, yeah. Yeah, so you got Doc Mack. You've interviewed Doc Mack from Galloping Ghost, haven't you? The, the mm-hmm. huge, yeah, yeah, we got some him. Yeah, he's in. He's a legend. We're going to be working more with Galloping Ghost. I actually just had a call with Doc yesterday, and just kind of brought him up to date and where we are. Um, yeah, we really can't wait to. You know, I'm please if everybody can go check us out on Kickstarter. Go to arcadedocumentary.com. You'll find all the links that you need there. You can follow us on social media, and um, yeah, check out what we're doing. Um, because we can't, we can't wait till the Kickstarter's over so we can go ahead. We're going to head out to Chicago, do a bunch of shooting there. I'm going to do like a little kind of mini tour, I think, of the East Coast. And um, 
yeah, maybe capture some stuff that's off the beaten path that's been kind of, uh, you know, in the back of my mind here for when we're ready to shoot. And, yes, um, of course, we'll be sharing all that stuff uh, as we go through the process. On the Kickstarter, you've got, it sounds like you've got extra, extra, pe- extra perks for the backers and stuff. Is is it? Do you think you're going to sort of develop this and make it into more of a, a documentary series? We think that there's enough to talk about that this could go on for a while. You know, like there could be you know a second season or something, um, or yeah. you know some, somehow arcade dreams could be a, a destination for talking about arcades. We you know we would love that. We have always thought that the thing has you know a lot of potential to be an ongoing series. Um, and originally we were going to make like, a, you know, a, um, a, just a feature length documentary, but we decided that that really, you know, wouldn't, it wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to smash all that into, you know, a, a, a feature length time. So we're going to start, you know, with, with this, uh, with this Kickstarter series and um, yeah, the more people back, you know, if we go over our goals, we can add chapters. So. Yeah, go for it. Go for it, kids. The, um, Right, we are recording this now on the 9th of November. This will be on the podcast on the 26th of November. So hopefully by then, you would have hit your target. Oh, well, that'd be great. Yeah, it's a great time to air it. I love that. It's right before, you know, our final push. So, um, yeah, how awesome. And, yeah, we just want to say thanks to, you know, people who who, who are going to back us or have backed us already because, I mean, we are doing this for you guys. We think that, you know, we think this is something you're going to love. And I got to tell you one thing about my films that I'm really proud of is that they have repeat watching, you know, value. Um, yeah, yeah, you don't really cool. just want to watch them once. You know, I pack a lot of stuff in there, including Easter eggs, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, you, that you can find the more you watch it. And yeah, like it, it'll be something that you, you you want to own or you want to watch it, you know, more than once for sure. I, I, I stand by it. Excellent. Well, thanks very much, Zach. We will get this on the podcast and best of luck to you and it does sound like a fantastic film movie documentary and it sounds like it may go on to do other things and yeah check out the kickstarter page it's it's awesome and it's just a an idea of the quality i think of what what's going to go into this documentary and what it's going to be like so i'm looking forward to it awesome man yeah well i'm looking forward to getting to know you guys a little bit better too so yeah thanks for reaching out Okay, thank you very much. Nice. Any TV program or documentary about arcade games is good to me. Thank you very much. Mm. I'll have some of that. Looks a decent one, doesn't it? And at last. Guess what? At last, at last, at last. The universe is complete because someone is making an Uncle Pooh cab. Oh. With the with artwork from the game. Yes. Little old man on the side having a poop. They seem to have 12 buttons on the control panel, which you don't need. You don't need that. You need he's there. He's there. We've, we've linked to the no-shows, and it's a guy called Jeremy Fox. Well done, Jeremy Fox. Uncle Pooh. I've got a feeling he owns one of the arcades in Chicago, you know. I'm not sure which one. Ooh, one maybe. Of the maybe. New ones. He, he, I think he is a frequenter of the arcades in Chicago. Ooh. Yeah, Uncle Pooh. If... Kids, if you're new and you didn't listen to the Uncle Pooh arcade podcast we did, I think it's number 47, because I talked about this recently. Go back and listen to Uncle Pooh. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds it sounds like a joke, 
but it was actually a really weird game released a long long time 83 84 and it's a really cool little maze game uncle Pooh, check it out it's a really good game we loved it didn't we yeah right into it very good idea for a game and yeah clever if he he didn't fire poop if he fired something else i think it would have been less niche and more kind of successful if he's an alien shooting yeah but it was gloriously silly you're an old man on roller skates pooping at monsters it's great it's so good (laughs) right i have been seriously you're into mushrooms what kind of mushrooms uh, not anymore, no. I, I couldn't, you know, you just fall over and giggle. Mushi Himasama Futari 1.5, a cave bullet hell from 2006. And it's made me hold my stick differently. Mm. How do you hold your stick, Vic? Firmly. Yeah. <laughs> See what I've, what I've done, right? Well, actually, not so much at the moment, because when I hurt my thumb, my left thumb, I couldn't actually play a joystick oh. for very much. I could play Dig Dug because I, I hold my joystick in the other hand with Dig Dug. And I was playing a bit of Cubert's Cubes because that's only a joystick and I play that with my right hand. Ha-ha! So are you doing it like the Japanese style so you hold it like you would hold a glass of wine? No. Oh. It's muscle memory. What I've, what I've tried to do, right, is use... What I've always done is sort of hold the side of the stick with three three fingers and the top of the th- top of the the ball mm-hmm. with the other finger. But now I'm holding the ball on the top, the two for two fingers below that, and I'm sort of cradling. <laughs> I'm showing you. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, this is good. Good on an audio podcast. Cradling the shaft with my yeah, it's getting a bit mm... ring finger. Yeah, that's right, and it it's just that little bit more accuracy just to get through the patterns and i've been doing it for like two or three weeks and it's now muscle memory so the habit of a lifetime every every game i play now i grip the shaft stop (laughs) stop the index finger and it works it's more i'm more accurate with bullet hells i know you haven't been to japan right but you must have seen japanese players playing arcade games Mm. a lot of them hold the 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 shaft of the joystick between their first and their sweary finger. Mm. And they sort of cup it like you would hold a glass of wine. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And they hold yeah. it like that. And it's weird how I couldn't control it. You don't, but they seem to play really well. At it. Especially with the bullet hell games where you've got to sort of dodge these little tiny areas, make really quick movements. And they do it really well. I just don't know how they do it like that. But yeah, they play quite a different style, some of them. Yeah, see, I love that Mushy Himasama game. There's a few of them. And I'm that, getting better that's the one I played in Japan. I really liked, and I didn't know what it was called, because in Japan it obviously hasn't got any of the British text, English text. And I wondered what it was for a while. And when I found it, I was quite pleased. And I do like that one. That's the one with all the the bugs, isn't it? Yeah, it's called The Bug Princess. It, that's what it translates to. Because the but word there's... mushy has got something to do with, with insects. Peas. No, not mushy peas. Mushy, as in the word mushy, is sort of a, a part of a word in Japanese, I think, for insects. Because mushy himasama, I think, translates as insect princess. Because I've got a game of that on my phone, and they changed it to an English name. I think it's called Bug Princess. Mm. And it's a very similar game. Obviously, you just control it with your finger. But there's that, and there's the mushy kings. You know, the little tiny cabs? 
and they were insect based or were they dinosaur based no dino kings and mushy kings the mushy kings was insects it's a game about insects for kids must but be them it must be yeah I will ask our Japanese friend when she gets back from Japan. She's in Japan for a month now. Lucky thing. Mm. Yeah, so it's... I've re- really been enjoying it. I've been playing it a hell of a lot. Not as much as our featured game, of course, which is a classic. I've been playing Mushihimasama more than I've been playing our featured game. Guess how many times I've played Mushihimasama? None. Two. No, I didn't actually. <laughs> but I've, been, I've played our game very little. Another thing I have done, though, and I enjoyed this a lot, is I finished off Tony Temple's excellent book, uh, Missile Commander. Have you got it yet, Sean? Have you read it? No, I don't really buy books. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, mate. Ask for it for Christmas. It's great. It's really good. I'm not a big reader, but I Mm. bought it because Tony's a friend of mine and I wanted to hear about his story. And it's really, really good. I sent him some some feedbacks. Obviously, I, I know Tony quite well, and I, I talked to him on WhatsApp and messages and stuff. And I told him it was brilliant. I particularly, I think it was self published through a company. Uh, Tony's worked very hard on it. It's a really good story about him and the technical side of the game Missile Command and the design and through Tony's youth playing it and some of the weird, wonderful characters he met playing the game and his travels to America and stuff. And the best thing about the book is it's very, very well put together and very well written. And one thing I particularly liked about it, I've noticed in other self-published books about you know games and that sort of thing on our hobby, is there were no spelling and no grammatical mistakes in it whatsoever. So Tony obviously had a professional look over it, mm-hmm. and it's a professional job. I really enjoyed the book. I got the hardback book. What you should do, Sean... It's put on your Christmas list. It's really, really good. I enjoyed it immensely. Brilliant, it is. He actually contacted me to do like the proofreading. Oh, yeah. And? He did. Did Look, it go well? I, I changed some of the words, obviously, to shorter words that people like, people like me can understand. Like, I shot some stuff in face. It were great. What, with a northern <laughs> accent in the book? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All joking aside, it's really good. Ask it for Christmas, kids. It's really cool. I think it's going to the big book retailers soon. Uh, but if you go on the website, and the link is in our show notes, have a look, check it out, go buy it. It's really good. I enjoyed it immensely. And I read it quite quickly because I was eager to get back to it. It's very good. good. And you're not borrowing mine either. No. I bought a Switch game a little while ago. I think I, I might have bought it the last podcast and we got to talk about it. But I bought a game on the Switch called Tamako. Tamaku? Have you heard of it? There it is. It's a game called Tamaku on Switch. It was less than a fiver, right? So it's an independent game. And it's an arcade game. And it's like a platform game. You're a little guy at the bottom. There's balloons all around these platforms. You can go up certain parts of the platforms. And there's obviously baddies going backwards and forwards. You've got to avoid the baddies. And you've just got to pop the balloons. It is absolutely brilliant. It's really old school... If you saw this in a cabinet, you'd think, was that a game that's come out that has just been dumped by Maine? You'd think it was an arcade game. It's right. really, really smart. I'll send you a link to it. You can probably get it on other formats as well, you know, the PS4 and Xbox, whatever it is, and PC Steam and all that sort of stuff. It's a really cool little game. It's definitely worth, definitely worth that money. Ew. What else have I been up to? I have been looking at Inkscape. You know the vector, the freeware vector graphics program that's amazing? Yeah, that's what you used to do all the artwork on, didn't you? 
yeah, all the, all the people, I've been messing with it again, and I've, I've enrolled in this online course because it's only Ooh. like 40 quid or something, but it's, it teaches you the right, I know how to use it, and I've used it for years, but I've obviously only just scratched the surface. There's mm. so much it can do, and things to make it quicker as well. You know, the okay. way the way you can manipulate the graphics and that, because it's all just numbers. Vector graphics are just are just code. Right. Really. Okay. Like a, a square is is like a line of code, and then it, that's how it scales up to infinite because it's ah, just a line of. Code. You get CAD programs like that. I think. Mm. Oh, what's it called? SCAD is like that. So you can actually draw CAD drawings by typing code in, or the other way around. I think you can draw and it'll actually write the code for you, and then you can manipulate the code to make lines bigger and the circles bigger and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I know what you mean. Mm, yes, I'm getting well into that. Good. That's excellent stuff. And, oh, what's this, Vic? What you got here? This was a late bit of news. Uh, another all-in-one mini arcade. And I know everyone's groaning at the moment, and so are we probably. But this one actually looks quite nice. This was reported on Nintendo Life, and it's um, Capcom's releasing a mini arcade system, and it's got the Mega Man and Street Fighter games on it, which is a bit of a an odd choice, because Mega Man's sort of... I know there were Mega Mans in the arcade, but they're really sort of NES and SNES era, weren't they? Yeah, do you, th- do you think it is NES and SNES games, these, or what? More than likely, yeah. Um, but this one looks really nice, because I was talking about earlier, this one's actually got a 4.3 screen in it. It looked that way to me. And it's made to look like a CRT. At least the case around it looks like an old TV, like an old plastic TV. And it's got like a little control panel on the front with six buttons for Street Fighter and stuff. And it's got about 20 games on it, that sort of thing. I'll put a link in the show notes and people can have a look. It, it does look really... I really like the look Oh, no, it's got that. 10 games, sorry. You wrote in there five Mega yeah. Man games and five Street Fighter 2 titles. It's a real shame it hasn't got Street Fighter 3 Third Strike because that is, to me, one of the best Street Fighter games ever. Yeah, it's a really nice little thing, isn't it? It looks a lot nicer than the, the modern rubbish you normally get. I think, I've got a feeling, I read about this, and the same people make this who made the Neo Geo Mini, which is quite a nice little machine as well. It says in, in the little description in the page, it's 2.1 kilos. So it could Ooh, have... a bit of weight to it. It could have a, would it have a little CRT at 2.1 I kilos. I seriously doubt it. If it has, I'm buying one. I seriously doubt it. It won't have, will it? It looks like it. It does look like I think, but that's what they. That was my point earlier. If you make them look like an arcade machine, at least in some way, it goes halfway to the experience. But it looks a nice little thing. I really like the look of it. It's an eight-inch screen on there as well. It is really cool little thing. Oh, oh, oh! Another thing that was released, I think, yesterday. I haven't got it yet. I didn't know it was being released. I asked for it for Christmas myself. Ready Player Two is out. The Ernest Klein book. Have you read Ready Player One? No, I've not even seen the film. Have you not seen the film? The it's book. The book is is better. Be but the book. The the film's quite good, but the book is better. I read the book oh, ages ago, years ago actually, because someone recommended it to me, and it was really good. And I was really pleased when the film came out, but a little bit disappointed. But then again, the films aren't normally as good as books anyway. If you read a book, but yeah, Ready Player Two is out. The sequel. I've been looking forward to reading that. I'll get it for Christmas. We'll have a Christmas, I reckon. I might, I've tried to watch the first one and then not not really started watching it. It's on one of the streaming services. I think it's on Amazon. I could have a look. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, have a look. It's good. Uh oh. Biscuits with you. Biscuits with you. I don't know about you. Biscuits with you. Right, kids. What have you? What? What crispy 
Oh, well, oh, oh, do you know what? He's showing me some cars. Are they water biscuits? No. These oh, are not. I like water biscuits. They're good with cheese. What are they? These are cars, cheese melts. Ooh. You know how Sean from Pie Factory does his soda live? He drinks his soda live. Yeah, it, it triggers me. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna eat one of these kids live on air without a drink. Kind of so you're gonna be like a, in a, a man in a desert. Scrunch, 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 there scrunch. We go. Oh, they're good. They look they good. good. I'm they're better now. They're better than. Like a food biscuit. You know them cheese, them cheese, them cheddar things. This you is get? the worst podcast ever. <laughs> You know them cheddar things you get? I like yes, them. I do like those a lot. I like them. Mm. They're like posh ones, Vic. They're really good. Do you know what they'd be good with, don't you? What? Cheese on them. That looks oh. to me like a cheese delivery system, not like a biscuit. It's a cheese delivery system. That is a great idea. Anything you put cheese on is known as a cheese delivery system. It's all under one cheesy umbrella. Another show title for the podcast, Cheesy Umbrella. I've got one of them George Foreman grills, mother-in-law. As, as when I'm cleaning? Well, not that one. And she didn't ever use it, so we've got it. And I'm just put, I'm just making cheese toasters with everything: Pepper, <laughs> pepperoni, ham, bacon, just cheese toasters. I just bloody love it. Your heart is going to explode soon. With all that <laughs> cholesterol in it. <laughs> what? Stop <laughs> eating the, because no one can understand your stupid accent anyway. Let alone a gobble of biscuits. The car bum, 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 kids are a winner. I'm going to put them away now. You do that. Everyone's turned off now. It doesn't matter. We can just say what you want. Everyone's turned right. off. I'll carry on. <laughs> More. <laughs> mm, very nice. Recent pickups. Here's another thing I bought recently. I'm really pleased with as well. I'm not. I've been buying a few things, but they're not really worth mentioning. But this one was it released the, the week the Super Mario Brothers 35 year anniversary game and watch. You know the little mm. game watch that came out with color. It's incredibly well made and presented, and the games are spot on. Even though Super Mario Two is rock hard, it's it's not it's not Super Mario Two um, Doki Doki Panic. Panic yeah. You know they changed it to the, for the Western. This is actually Super Mario Brothers Two that's released in Japan, as far as I know, which is a hard, harder version of Super Mario Brothers, but similar. It was on Super Mario All Stars on the SNES, you know. Yeah, I think I had it. Wasn't it known as yeah. the Lost Levels or something? Yeah, something like that. And I remember I actually got it on release for my SNES, and I thought, wow, this is I hard. had it on my SNES as well. It's good. But it was nice to play different levels because you, you played the first one so much. It was nice to play a few yeah. different levels. Well, this one's really, really nice. Even the box and the overlay for the box is lovely. It's really, really proper quality Nintendo. It's really nice. But the one thing I do like about it is there's no spin-up time on it. When you buy it, right, it comes pre-charged as well. So you've got a little sort of... USB-C charger wire for it. You can just plug into a plug. But it comes pre-charged with a lot of things nowadays. And when you press the button on the side, there's no waiting five seconds for it to load up. It's on immediately. And when you finish playing it, you just press the button, it's off. Press it back on again, it comes exactly where you were. It's really nice. I love that in games. That's what I like about arcade machines. There's no loading time. Or nearly next to no loading time. When you put an arcade machine on at the wall, as soon as the, the screen's warmed up, the game's there. It's loaded. You know, there's no, you know, Windows 7 with your emulation loading up. There's no Linux or whatever. It's just there working. So it was well worth 45 quid. I paid for it. And that, remember I mentioned that person who got murdered on Facebook about it? 
Mm. He was right to be flamed in such a manner, moaning about it being a lot of money. 45 quid for this little piece of kit is not a lot of money. And it is a really nice bit of kit. I think they're quite limited as well in production. So if you haven't got one, you're going to probably pay a fortune for one. People have been paying a lot of money for them. They've been hawking them on eBay and stuff. I got mine, not because it's worth anything, just because I wanted to play it. And it's a really lovely little thing. And the best thing that I think is going to happen, well, it's happened already, is people have hacked it already. They hacked it, mm-hmm. like, I think, the day before it came out. Someone got one early and got into it and hacked it and changed like some text on the screen straight away just to prove it can be done. Yeah. And I I can't wait until someone's put... I thought, I thought they might be able to put all the NES games on there, but apparently it's only got like one meg of, of RAM in it, so it's not got a lot of storage room to put well maybe one meg of storage i can't remember it's only got a small amount of storage in it but enough to put other games on it maybe and also from the other day someone's put doom on it already (laughs) a really really cut down version of doom it hasn't got any textures or something but it runs doom on it have you seen all the little hidden bits on it? Like, yes. Leave, leave the clock going. Like, it, it can be just like, like a little bedside clock. A little, certain things happen yeah. at certain times of the day, don't they? Certain little animations. If you, because like, you know, Mario's running around and some of the baddies are chasing him and stuff across the numbers of the clock. And if you press up one of the buttons, it drops in Coopers from the top of the screen that come after Mario. And I think if you hold certain buttons down at certain times of the day as well, it does different things and different things change on it. But it's mm. got it's got Super Mario Brothers on it, Super Mario Brothers 2, and it's also got the Game & Watch game, Ball, which I've got um, the reproduction of. I had the 25-year anniversary version of Ball because I bought that in 2010 when I was in hot, on my honeymoon in Japan because I bought it then just as a treat for myself. It's a 25-year anniversary, exactly the same as the original Ball, but remade. And this one, you actually play, instead of the little you know, Mr. Game & Watch, a little black-and-white dude... You play a version of Mario, he's got a Mario head on him. And if you hold on the buttons down for five seconds, his head turns into Luigi's head. <laughs> and it's it's yeah. ball. If you've not played ball on the game and watch, it's a really nice little game. I was just playing it the other day. And it's amazing how long you can play it for. It's really sort of monotonous. You just sort of move the guy's arms around to catch the ball in a certain position. But I was playing it for ages. It's really cool. But even if they put um if some one of the hackers put like a few game and watch games on it, maybe, they need the different ones. That'd be really cool. Having a multi-game and watch. I've always wanted one of those. I think someone made one out of um, with a Raspberry Pi Zero. They put it in a really skinny case, like a game and watch looking case, and it played all the game watches. I think if you had you had a certain number of buttons, it could play all the ones with those kind of buttons on it. Really cool. But that thing, if you haven't got one already, you get a chance to get one. Get it. It's a really nice bit of kit. It's a lovely little thing. Really nice. It does look good. Mm. I think the best one of them game and watches that ever came out was Donkey Kong Jr. I've got that. I thought I thought that was incredible. I thought it was so well designed, the game. There it is. I, I played it. I could play that infinitely. I played it so much. I got so good at it. And then years and years later, a little key fob version of it came out. It was only like a... I've got one like of them a, as well. Like an inch square screen. I could still play it on that. But this, that this is the one I've got for mine. This is my one. And I recently um, 3D printed a little battery case for it. Can you see that? Can you see the colour of it? Yeah. Because the yeah. back of the, cause the Donkey Kong Jr. is green, and I redid the, the the battery case cover in black, and it fits like a dream. It's really nice. Because they always fell off and got lost, those things, if you weren't careful. And my own one obviously just, got lost. Obviously, it's just all black LCD 
on and off kind yeah. of thing in it but the way yeah. that is made and the, all the characters moving in it i think it's an incredible incredible design that game i know a lot, a lot of them are yeah because a lot a lot of the graphics are actually printed on the plastic screen aren't they You've got the vines yeah. and donkey kong and all that sort of stuff and the, and the levels but yeah it's a really nice little bit of kit i like that game i loved game watches as a kid i had a few as a kid i had different versions i didn't have the nintendo ones i don't think and i had some grandstand mm. ones i had king kong new york and King Kong Jungle. I managed to buy them as an adult recently as well, a few years ago. And I still play them now. They're good little things. Just really, you know, left and right controls. That's it. But nice. Oh, I watched, uh, watched Rampage recently with the rocket uh, Dwayne Johnson. In. Oh, no. Is it bad? <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty good fun. It's just good fun. Right. You know, it was a popcorn movie. Ugh. I don't like those. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Nice one. Another thing I got recently... Uh, it didn't cost me anything, this, actually, not really, um, is I got a Sega Saturn. Because, you know, I got a Dreamcast a little while ago, and I modded it with a GDI MU and all that lot. I bought, I got a Sega Saturn, because I was asked to one, because I wanted to put one of the SD solutions in that, but it's not readily available. I think the person who's making them doesn't make them anymore, so they've shot right. up in price. Hopefully, some of the Chinese bootleggers will work out how to do it and release one, a cheap one, like they did with the Dreamcast. But I got a, a mod chip for it as well. I bought a mod chip for this Saturn that Mr. Bobby Yidod gave me. And uh, I put a mod chip in it. A naughty mod chip. And I've also had the unpleasure of burning <laughs> CDs again. When oh. was the last time you burnt a CD? I burnt a DVD, a groovy arcade. Did you? We'll talk about that in a bit, yeah. I've, I've, in this laptop here, it is still got because it's. I think it's about 2013. This laptop, it's still got a DVD burner, so you can still burn yeah. DVDs and CDs. The, the only PC I've got in the house, which is in front of me now, in near my hobby stuff, is I use it for, um, funnily enough, ROM burning, EEPROM burning, and stuff like that because it doesn't work with a Mac, and that's got a DVD writer on it. So that's what I've been writing these these discs on for the Saturn because I own. Every single Saturn game ever released in every territory, and I have the right to burn my own ones. No, 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 wink, wink. Not I mean, not I mean. So yes, I've been doing a little bit of that. Hopefully, the uh, SD card thing will come soon. Because I really, oh god, I was burning these discs right, and they weren't working. I said, like, "Why is these things working?" Maybe the discs are old because there's an old lot of CDRs and stuff. And later, it dawned on me. That the mod chip in the Saturn, I think the same as the PlayStation ones, it doesn't sort out the territory. So if you burn a Japanese game, put it on a disc, put it in there, it won't know it. It will say it's the wrong region, or it just say it can't recognise it. And I was like, what's going on with it? And you can actually change the regions with a little program. You put the ROM in a little program, or the ISO in a little program, and it changes the region for you automatically. You just burn it, and it works. I didn't know that, and I've done about 10 discs that weren't working. <laughs> Stupid oh things. Lucky they're cheap, those CDRs. But yeah, it's um I really like playing a Saturn, but Mr. Idod, in his kindness, sent me a a, a controller with it as well, because I didn't have a controller. And it's one of the worst controllers I've ever used. A Saturn? Yeah, it's the old school Saturn one. The old one was like holding a bag of chips. It's a really fat thing and you can't really pointy, hold it properly. It the pointy one. The pointy one. It's not? quite pointy. I can't where is it? It's there. There it is. Get it out. Oh, noises again oh. on the podcast. Aha. Biscuits. Biscuits. No, not biscuits. It's it's the Saturn. Look at that horrible big thing. It's massive. 
Oh, no, that's all right. No, it isn't. It's a horrible, fat little thing. But I've, I've just won on eBay a white Japanese, the later controller, which looks more like a Sega Genesis six-button pad. You know, the, the, the ones that came mm. out, they were sort of like more kidney-shaped, and it's a much yeah. nicer controller. I might even have to get a white case for it, because I do like the white case Saturns, the Japanese versions. They're lovely. Lovely. <laughs> do like them. And I said earlier, Tamaku on the Switch. If you haven't got it, go and have a look at it. It's a really good little game. Uh, if you look in the notes there, Sean, it's underneath the thing about Tamaku, and you can see it. That looks quite good. It's cool, doesn't it? You're the little guy at the bottom, and the blobs move up and down and left and right, and you get things flying up and down the screen as well. And you've got to touch the blue balloons, and he bursts them. But the red ones, you've got to press the button on them a few times to burst them. He sort of he squashes them until they pop, so they take a little bit longer to pop. It's a really cool little game. Definitely looks old school, that, doesn't it? It would look good in a cab, I reckon. Right, my wallet. I've got some stuff. Oh, your wallet's quivering. I can hear it. It's got a fiber tune as well, by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a talky wallet. I've got a 512 gig USB talkie stick. Wallet. What? <sighs> talky wallet. It's <laughs> a talky wallet for, for backups because my hard disk drivers portable hard disk drivers playing up a bit i don't know what's going on with it Uh-oh. so I, I got all my useful stuff off off of it and then put it on that so i got that oh and i got this off uk back 60 pound delivered i5 4 gig ram 240 gig pc that's worth it 60 quid a bargain mate yeah so i put groovy arcade on it which is the linux version of groovy mame which is basically plug and play you put it on it installs you set the monitor type you set the folder where the snapshots and the roms are and it works that's it but easy but it was having sync issues it kept losing sync so you had to come out of a game and go back turn the taps off and certain things were happening like certain it's called switch res isn't it the modes that you get on groovy mame so I think some of them were not right because like Amadar was huge and Mushi Himasama was squished. Oh. So I've gone to, I've put here, I've written here, sorry Linux, but on this very, very rare occasion, Windows has it. So thanks very much to Tronads for getting me through the install of Groovy Mame. I put Groovy Mame on it, which is, I put Rich Junction's read-only Groovy Mame. That's what I got on my both my um, pony cabs. And I did it all. I got it all working. Well, mm-hmm. uh, correct, but there's certain things I couldn't, work out you know no controls and very dim screen <laughs> and i worked out i'd still had the j-pack plugged into the old the old pc and not the new one so there was no power to the j-pack and that's all it was oh i see yeah you daft twit you up to and, and then soon as like trodad's pointed out i thought oh god so yeah it's on it's rock solid. It's not. There's no sync going wrong with it. I've got a tracked mode running on it, which is all right. It it's very good. Work. I love it because it looks like a, uh, something that was made in 1982. <laughs> it probably. Was. That's what I it's like right. about it. I don't like these fancy front ends. I like a really basic picture description. That's all. No animations. None of that junk. No things whizzing about and flying around on wheels. I just want it to work. That's exactly what you need. Yeah, Groovy is really good. Really yeah, good. so Windows does have the the edge on the Linux version, but there's an active community working on Groovy Arcade, 
which if you if you look in if if you look in the settings that Groovy Arcade is actually just a wrapper for Groovy Mame. Mm. It's a Linux Linux wrapper. It's running the the latest version of Groovy Mame, but there's lot, no lot, Windows. Like MC Hammer, so. he's a wrapper. He was. Don't think oh my he's god. There. I just used MC Hammer as a cultural reference for a rapper. I think he's a bricklayer now. I could have said Public Enemy or Ice T or something, couldn't I? Or even one of the oh, modern they're ones. Still old. We're old. They're all old now. Oh, no. Public Enemy is still going. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you can edit that bit out and sound all modern. Put Snoop Dogg in. He's a bit of a laugh, no. isn't he? No, he still is old. Snoop Dogg. Will you listen to these stupid old white dudes? Sheesh. You want. Some of them weird letter people like VFT featuring Woe Bang and Me Death. Okay, you've just redeemed yourself, Sean. You've made me look even cooler than you uh, now yes. by saying stuff like that. Well Guess done, what son. Else? Buying stuff. I might be buying stuff. I oh, should, I, I approve get... of this. I approve of the, this very much. Go on. I should get out of the house more. Right, I've got some more Evercade carts. Cool. Which ones? I've got the, the dual cart, which is Zeno Crisis and Tanglewood. Well, you get two games on one cart. Yeah, this one you do. Yeah, normally oh, nice. you get loads. How much is that? Normally you get loads. Uh, 15 quid. Oh, that's a bargain, isn't it? For a physical cartridge, love it. Yeah, I got two games with that one. It's Xenocrisis and Tanglewood on a, on a single cart. Right. But a, a lot of them do. Most of them, most of the Evercade carts, there's like 15, 10, 15, 20 games on. Wow. It's a bargain, isn't it? I wish you'd stop telling me things like this. I don't need another console i really really don't but this thing sounds really nice i've only heard good things from it yeah the emulation spot on and it's wow you don't you can only pick a few games to play there's not thousands to go through yeah we approve so, of that don't we you're not going to so get bored and i've got another one i can't help myself oh also what? another one there's, there's a jalico collection coming out next year and guess oh, what's going to be on God. it city connection's going to be on the city infection Slitty connection is going to be on a jalica. I've got another one, Pico Interactive. Pico Interactive do what they do. They release their own games for old systems like SNES, right. Mega Drive, Game Boy Advance. But also they take games that are not complete, like old and old sort of... Like prototypes old, and stuff. Yeah, there's an old okay. sort of Japanese or even Korean role-playing game that they've localised. Oh. And it's all that kind of thing. You know, some, a lot of them say like... I didn't 90, know who 90s. Pico were. I, I heard about this a little while. We, we reported on it about a month ago, didn't we? A t- mm. month or two ago? And I, didn't, I know, obviously know who Jalico are, because they make my Pony arcade machines and some terrible arcade software. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't know what Pico Interactive were. But before you go into that, what's Xenocrisis? That's the twin-stick game, isn't it? It is. It came out on Mega Drive. It's really good on Mega Drive, I remember. Yeah, it is a Mega Drive game. So you, you the Evercade, obviously, it's one D-pad and four buttons. So you've basically got twin two sh- thumb yes, thingies, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, you use the buttons. in a, And it's quite good. You can just rotate your thumb in the middle of the four buttons to get your eight-way firing. Yeah, yeah. But I am terrible with D-pads. I'm really bad. I haven't used a D-pad for any length of time, apart from at these shows you know that we haven't been to any this year yeah i think the last time i really used a d-pad was playstation one you know oh wow it's that that long ago so i'm crap i'm really bad with the d-pad so i'm trying to get better with them yeah because on, on the switch you've got if you put your thumb high up your left thumb high up you've got the analog stick you use for most games and if you sort of put it 90 degrees down right you've got a proper d-pad on on the um 
on the, the Pro Controller, which I use on mine, and I'm quite good with using that because I'm used to it, but you can use either. Obviously, the, the analog pad's a bit mushy and stuff, but the, the D-pad's not so bad. But yeah, I do use quite a lot of um, old consoles still, so I do, I'm pretty familiar with them still. But I'm still a lot better with the joystick, and I prefer using the joystick and buttons any day of the week for yeah, controls any day. Yeah, so uh, I'm, there's a lot on that Pico. There's a lot of really good games. There's 20 games on that cartridge. It's not bad, is it? And, and that, that really Tanglewood, that's like a um, like a point-and-click sort of... Uh, what they called like uh, Sam and Max kind of game, isn't it? No, it's, is it not? It's a puzzle. It's a platformer. Oh, okay. I thought it was. I thought it was a point and click. I think there's another one that's a similar name. Okay. Which is like a Monkey Island kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. That's a scum game they're called. Yeah, this is you're a little fox running around and you've got to get through levels. Right. And it's very nice animation and it's like a puzzle kind of thing. You've got to move a rock to get to certain areas and you've got to you can change into like a, a floating fox. I love floating foxes. Everyone loves everyone loves a floating fox. You can float over like chasms and stuff. You've got to collect power ups and they only last for so long. That sounds cool. But I like the sound really of Tanglewood a lot. Yeah, it's very popular, it's- isn't it? If you bought it on the on the Mega Drive, I think it's fifty quid cartridge. Yeah, but it's got all the fancy stuff in it. The... Yeah, it's got a book and a and a and a closey casey thing. A closey casey thing, yeah. Yeah, and a and a, a pamphlet, a reedy thing. A pamphlet? Are you from the nineteen hundreds? I, I would, I would like I would like a lady's pamphlet, please. I'm gonna eat some cheese melts and make more sense then. <laughs> Right, that's it. Oh, Inkscape Masterclass. I bought that. That's really good. You said earlier, silly. Mm, I know. It's good Them day. cheesy things are getting on your brain, mate. I know. They're making you forget stuff. Cheesy forgetfulness. Listener feedback. Andrew Hannay's been on. It's a bad one. Oh, no. How did I miss you announcing Pengo as the next game? This is from a while back, I think. It's my all-time, memory from the past, favourite game. I had a whole month to play it, and I listened to the last show, and I could have read your show notes and still missed it. Gutted. 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 Robert McNally Rafferty. Repengo, this is. What a challenging game. It gives me anxiety. There are lots of tricks to getting great scores. I think people look at it and think, oh, that's cute. It's probably easy. Then they die, die, die. Last time I saw an original cab was at Fun Spot last summer nice one yeah the cab's lovely ed horse great episodes as always uh as for over here yes the horse office with him and his workmates isn't getting the same game time due to cleaning the arcade cab and working from home still listen to the podcast though have you heard of ant stream it's a stream of ants it's very watery with ants in it we have mm-hmm. he has a code for 50 percent off code if you want it uh, no, because I've got too many games to play as it is. Thank you very much. But thank you for the offer. Very lovely of you. Yes, thank you. Troll ads. He was. He, I was surprised. I was surprised to not hear any reference in the Pengo podcast to the official sequel and Xbox 360 sequel called Gen Gsen Love Plus Pengo. Yeah, uh, I saw this. We didn't mention it because it's rubbish and it's got terrible music. It's like, well, a, I think in the arcade, it was like an eight-player game. And on the Xbox 360, you can play four players or something. It's like a widescreen version of Pengo. And it's a bit like cross between Bomberman. You've got loads of players. And you can squash each other, or you can go after the baddies together and stuff. And there's loads of like extras on it. It does look reasonable, but 
Nah, not proper Pengo. Well, we've got it at the arcade club. Ooh! Because it's on Ring Edge 2 hardware. That's Sega Ooh, okay. hardware, is it? And, it, and the Namco Noir. So I, I took a photo of it. It's there. And it, I had a quick game. I didn't know what I was doing. Huge screen. Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah, you can have eight players at once. So it's it could be all right, I suppose. When I'm next at Arcade Club, whenever that will be, remind me to play that. I'll have a go. When you're next there, Vic, play that. Thank you. Do you want me to remind you like nearer the time or something? Or... That might be a good idea, yeah. <laughs> Sean? Sean? Yeah. yeah. You ready? Yeah. Oh, my chin area going down into my beard is is chafed. Whew. Tagster, look. Look at this. Tagster. Yeah, I saw PCB it. PCB jam repair could actually work. I knew it would. Years ago, I said it Explain would work. Explain what he's on about. Someone put a tweet on where they've wired up some toast. <laughs> that might sound the standard Holly thing to say, but what <laughs> they did is they used some Vegemite or Marmite, whatever you want to call it, that yeast-based cack that people put on toast and because it's got so much salt content in it it actually conducts and they'd put a little circuit on some toast with marmite as the the uh the tracks of the traces of the of the circuit madness i tell you madness jam next it's going to be good isn't it yeah jam's a bit stickier you wouldn't have to yeah. solder anything you just poke it in with jam couldn't you and the yeah, leds just you. stick there it'd be fine it's useful and tasty this is crazy. Boom Go Pinball, one of our listeners from America. America. The USA might be falling apart. Yeah, it has been for the last four years. But I got these Nintendo cocktails, Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. originals, for $250 each. That is Whoa. madness. The end of the world does have a silver lining, he says. They look mm. really nice. And they look like they're working perfectly as well. The junior one is the one I used to play at my youth club, uh, the darker-looking cab with a sort of big bezel on the screen. And the Donkey Kong one is the usual sort of cream-coloured top one you, you normally associate with Nintendo cocktails. Mm-hmm. Really nice. $250 each. You wouldn't get one of them for, what, 900 quid in the UK for a decent yeah. Donkey Kong Junior or a Donkey Kong? Crazy. At least, at least, no, Crazy Kong is completely different. Crazy Kong. Going wrong. Friendly shout outs. Who, who, who are you going to shout out to this? I'm going to shout out to Bobby Yadod for sending that lovely Sega Saturn. I've been having a little bit of joy on it. And one of the games I was playing on it didn't quite work properly, but it made me think. It almost made me choose it as an arcade game for our challenges, because it is an arcade game. I might get back to that in the future, because it's a good little game. Yeah, Yeah, I won't say what it is at the moment. Yeah, shout out to him. I'm just going to shout out to all the lads in my arcade chat. I have a right right nice chat. You know who you are, five or six or seven people. uh... And I will also shout out to those people (laughs) for keeping Holly off the streets. Well done, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Right, I'm looking forward to this area of the podcast. Because we've done such a crappy game this month, I've not played it, so I've been looking forward to doing this, because I don't want to really talk about the game this month. I might even go on strike before we start doing it. So I'm actually looking forward to your quiz. 
Right, here we go. Quiz me right you, up, Sean. Quiz me right are up. Are you ready, Mr. Marlon? Is you, it possible? You dirty slag. <laughs> it's possible 20, 25 out of 10, I think, if I'm, if I'm correct. That sounds right. like holly logic to me. Let's start with a, an easy one. Can you name all six events in track and field? One point per event. Oh, yeah, easy. Go on. 100 metres sprint. Yeah. 110 metres hurdles. Yeah. Javelin. Yeah. Long jump. Yeah. High jump. Yeah. Shot putt. Hammer throw. Yeah. Same thing ish. Well done. Six out of one. Yes. Right, getting difficult now. What? type of game is Dr. Topple's Adventure? Dr. Topple, T-O-P-P-E-L. It's a vertical shoot-up, a cute up Oh, God! Yeah, it is. All right, then. What, what, <laughs> what processor does it use? It uses two of these. Ooh. Eee. It's a mid to late 80s game. I'd say two sixty-eight thousands. No, two Z80s. Oh, I was going to say that. Dang it. Right, number three. Sega's logo has been the same since what year? You have plus or minus five years. What year is their current logo? When was it created, sorry? 1979. Oh, you got it. 1982. Oh, good. You got that. There, there was one that was 1975 to 82. It looked yeah. very similar, but they kind of refined it in 82. Do, so I, do, I get a, do I get an extra point for knowing what Sega means? S- Service games. Search every game, what? Aaron. Search every game, Aaron. No, Service Games. S-E-G-A. Oh. Service Games. All right, as, a, as a second part of this, what was Sega's first mascot? Their mascot? Yeah, you can. There's there's two possible answers here. Oh, I got a feeling it was the guy with the big sideboards, um, the monkey guy. Uh, what's his name? It was on the Master System games. Um, oh, darn it, I've forgotten his name. After Russia, don't rush me. <laughs> that's, my, that's my thing. Um, Alex Kidd. Yes. Or, or this really triggers people. Alex the Kid. People hate you when you call it Alex the Kid. Yeah, Alex Kid. Well, the other, what the what other was the other one? The other one was Opa Opa, which is it's a oh, bit. Oh, dis- yeah, the little spaceship with the feet. He's cool. Yeah. Or she, maybe. Right. Maybe she. He's got nine. She's got nine out of three, goddammit. Right, yeah. on number four. Number four. On June the 17th, 1980, Atari's Asteroids and Lunar Lander were the first two video games to have what? Happened to him. Ooh. That's really vague. What, what, okay then, what legal thing happened to him in, on June the 17th, 1980? Legal thing? First two video games. Did they patent the video hardware? Nope. They were the first two games to be registered at the copyright office. Oh, what so the first ca- games ever to be copyrighted? Yeah, nineteen eighty. Really? 
Yeah. So all the bootlegs of Seven Four are all reasonably legal of all the other yeah. games like Pong and stuff. Galaxy. Why didn't they think yeah. of that before then? Why didn't they think to I copyright know, them? Oh, <coughs> what? No way! I've learned something. Well done. Yes, Battle Zone. You might get this. What was the military version of Battle Zone? What was it called? Bradley Trainer. He was. Yeah, he's got some good trainers. Is Bradley? Oh, right. he has Nike. Ten out of five. Ten out of five, mate. Right. What was the developer of Targ and Spectar? The developer. Exidy. <laughs> Yep, got that one. Right, they, the, the, those the... games are actually really good. They look junk. They are really good games. I played it at Portland Retro Gamer. I think on an original see, cab. They're Spe- really good little Spe- games. Spectar's far better, I think, than Targ. I think they're both good. They're very similar. What was Targ? Was the first something? What was it? The first type of game? Driving and shooting. No, it's the first fantasy-themed game. Why was it a fantasy-themed? It had some weird kind of mystical crystal bunkers going on in, on the flyer. Oh, really? Because you yeah. just drive a little thing around shooting stuff with a rocket. That's all you do. Oh, no. to do with magical uh, crystals. And another another question on this one. Targ, what, this is a bit bonkers, what height could you lift the, the cocktail cabinet to, plus or minus five inches? What height would the cocktail cab go to, because it's almost a table? 40 inches. Oh, 39! Yes! God! 12 out of 6. 39's a yard, isn't it? Or is that a metre? One or two. 30, 33's a metre, isn't it? Inches. Imbeciles. 36 inches is a yard. Um, it was all inches in 1980, love. Right, what type of game is Alley Master? Alley Master? It's a bowling game. Boy, yeah. By who? Ooh, Bally. Cinematronics. Ooh, Cinematronics. <laughs> I don't know why I said <laughs> it like that. <laughs> Cinematronics. Isn't it lovely? Right, what is the main colours of Rockola's jump bug cab? Two main colours. White and blue? Yep. Yes. God damn it. Is this your really difficult quiz that I'm getting all right? Yeah. Oh, oh. You can't do it impossible, cause like, not like you do, because it's just unfair. <laughs> the ones I do are really easy. I'll give you a chance. The bootlegged ones? God, that wasn't. Mm. Hang on, and another a bonus for this. What is the colour of Jump Bug, the car? Yellow. It's red. Is it? Yeah, I thought it was yellow. It's Bugger. red. Booger. Famous, what, name the famous IP created by Mitchell Corp. Pang. Yep. Or or Buster Brothers. Do I get an extra point for knowing the American oh, name? That, that was bonus. Oh, <laughs> I preempted it. Brilliant. All right, then. What was the Japanese version called? Oh, is it Pang Poms? Close, no, Pomping close. Brothers. No, Pomping World. Oh, nearly. Half a point. No, so that's you're not 478 and a half points. I've got out of nine now, then, is it? 17 out of nine. Right, <laughs> this is this last one. This You've got to, you've got to right, really concentrate for this what was one. That? Really. You just made a really weird-looking move with your eyes, arms, then. I was concentrating. Right, this is a mind test. What is the first game that comes into my mind? You've got to get it. Moon Patrol. Really. No, the first game is a clue there. Oh, Pong. 
No, Space. Judo first. Oh, you monkey. The tele- tele- telepathy-, telepathy wasn't working there, Vic. The so, video grandma for telepathy. You got 17 out of 10, which ain't bad. Not bad for a person like myself. It's probably 17 out of 25, I think. Something like that. Good. I like that quiz. That was a good one. Nice questions. I'm going to have to make them even harder. Yeah. But next week's one that I'm doing, next month's one I'm doing for you, you won't have a chance. Well, I don't have a chance anyway. (laughs) I love a quiz, me. Love a quiz. Feature game review. This is going to be your game review, Sean. I'm going to let you do it, and I'm going to interject some comments. (laughs) All right? Yeah. That's all I'm going to do, and I might butt in with some more nonsense. I mean, top opinions. Info. It's Okay. City Connection from Jellico, 1985. It's 240 by 224 horizontal. It's a motor roller. I don't know what I was talking about. Like Motorola M6809, CPU at 2 megahertz, 2 sound chips, the very, very capable AY809, and the young upstart, the YM2203. Eight-way stick and two buttons. You only need four ways, really. Yeah. Yeah. Approximately... 1,000 units were produced. Should have been a lot, lot more. It should have been. Well, they uh, wouldn't have sold 9,000 of them then, would they? Kitcorp <laughs> licensed this title and sold it as Cruising. Kitcorp? Never heard of them before. No, I haven't. Hmm. And it sounds like this. Backstory. It's the best extra bit I've added in this backstory. You are a young girl called Clarice, driving your little orange hatchback around various cities of the world, hunting for your ideal man. That's that's rubbish. Sexist. Did you find an ideal man in a a city hatchback thing? Not in a hatchback, no. No. This bit actually explains the hearts after losing the life. You lose the life and all hearts fly over the place. And that is because you're a girl looking for a man. Oh, that's obvious, isn't it? That is nonsense. Mm. I hate that. Do you know what? That shit. You're going to have a lot of bleeping out to do here. Right. Probably. How to play. Right. This is how you play it, kids. Don't listen to Vic. Horizontally scrolling, three-screen wide wrap-around play area. How fun is that? Filled with four levels of platforms. Not three, not five, four. Start in New York. You complete each city by driving over the platforms to colour them in, like that old game, Minor 249. Remember that game? That's that game cool. is actually good. Yeah, it is. It's like, it looks a bit it... like kind of Donkey Kong, but you do the level by walking over the level and it colours the floor in. Yeah, that's what you're doing in this rubbish car game. He's obviously taken that formula and improved on it e- and, and, exponentially. And made it twenty jump, times worse. Jump over obstacles and gaps in the platforms. Up and jump does a big leap up a level of platforms. You say you it can, does that. I yeah. couldn't get it to do that. Because you're not a very good player on this. That's what it is. Yeah, and I hated it. Do you know what else it is? Yeah, go on. It's- <laughs> 
Collect oil cans and shoot them at vehicles to start them spinning. And then when you touch them, it rams them off the road. How cool is that? It's nonsense. It's good. It's good nonsense. Right. It's very. If you once you colour all the platforms and you go to a different city, there's New York, London, Paris, Europe somewhere, a place with windmills, Cairo. I've done my research and probably some some more. Bolton High Street. Could be. That's that's quite a lot of platforms on Bolton High Street. Mm. Scaffolding and that. Enemy cars. No. Hang on. Enemy vehicles include police cars, ambulances, pickup trucks, and taxis. Watch out for cats and spikes so right if on this game when you're going along random cats appear in the street mm. and you can scroll them off the side you can turn around and scroll them off and they disappear again which is yeah. one rubbish programming and mm. two nonsense but if you hit this cat right a normal cat sized cat with a car a vehicle you die. The cat, well, actually, the cat flies off at a weird angle, which really annoys me, mm. and you lose a life. Is that because you, you, you get stressed out because you hit a poor old cat? It's video game physics, that. Yeah, rubbish. Anyway, that's the basics. Now you need to get under the hood of this game, literally. You need to go for it, right? I've played this more than any game I've played this year. Maybe because it's locked down. Oh my god, it's because you're... I've just played it so much because I'm rinsing it for points. Anyway, shoot multiple vehicles at once before ramming the first one, and then they all ram together and you get lots of bonus points. So if you shoot three and you get, say, a thousand points, that spins off. If you shoot another two, it rams into each other, so you get 5,000 points. I was able to do it maximum of four, so you could get four spinning ambulances, police cars. You could get almost 20,000 points. You get at least 16,000. Yeah, because that's a good thing. You get rewarded for ramming off service vehicles off the road. That's not a good good thing to say to the kids, is it, sure? Yeah, but your ideal man is not in them vehicles. Well, that takes precedence, obviously. You're looking for your ideal man. Oh, my God. Point press the levels by doing this on the ground floor. Although the cat spikes appearing everywhere make cat and spikes make it very difficult. So you've got got to. What I tried to do was rinse this level, get to second level, but it it just stays the same difficulty. So you might as well stay on the first level, where you can jump up the platforms easier because they're evenly spaced, and just keep jumping up the levels, getting the oil cans, coming back down, shooting the ambulances. I think they're police cars. Police cars on the first level. Just keep doing that. It's great fun. That sounds... It sounds about as much fun as putting grated glass on your salad. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, all right. It's not a favourite of mine. No, I haven't. I never have that off the lunch truck at lunchtime. What I can recommend... Would you like some grated no glass way. in your salad? No, thank you. Not for me. No way sponsored by cars, melted cheese. Get them at your local supermarket and pharmacy. You wish you were. (sighs) Right, vehicles usually travel in the same direction as you, but watch out for speedy dive bombers buzzing in the opposite direction, hitting you from above or head on. This happens more often the longer you stay on a level. So I always follow the cars left to right. You're driving left to right. Mm -hmm. You're shooting them. You've got enough reaction time to leap over the cats and leap over the spikes. 
but you get cars coming eventually you get cars coming like head on really really fast so you've got to shoot them and what, what i do then is jump up a few levels get a few oil cans come back down start again why oil, oil cans you think they might be i don't know bombs or something not oil cans weird have you never thrown an oil can at a police car? Mm, no. You haven't lived, mate. Probably not. Is that what they do where you come from? In your knackered <laughs> village? <laughs> well, let's go out in the knackered village chucking oil cans at police cars. Yay! Oh, and, and not running like cats over. 1983 throwing oil cans. At... Anyway, don't bother to fill in the left end of the platform. It's too hard. Just keep falling off. You can fill in the right end, but you just fall off the platform then go back and do it again some when you next loop it round, you can fill in the right end and turn, but you can, it's very hard to fill in the left end of the platform and stay on the platform. It's because without, the controls are without, horrible. Without dropping down. The controls, it takes about a week and a half to turn your car around. No, you can do you can do quickish turns because it's. Quick, I like you say quickish, not as janky, in most yeah. video games, immediate quickish. So it sort of slows down and bumbles around to go the other way around. When I watched someone playing this quite well on YouTube, they were they were timing it. So when you turn, you didn't quite fall off the end of the platform, and you mm. were ju- you were just taking out the little tiny bit on the end, which most people were missing and couldn't find the bit they'd missed. Mm. And it's it's one of those things where there's a lot of inertia to the game when you turn, and that killed the game for me immediately. I cannot stand of, that in games. I don't games. think there's inertia. There's just a bit of a delay. It's just you mean lag. You mean terrible lag that everyone hates. Maybe not. That was telling, Sean. That was telling. I've got some more tips here because I've played it so much. Don't hoard oil cans. You might as well use them all up. A shooting stuff at the end of level. Uh, sorry, you get an end of level bonus for oil cans, but they're only like 100 points each, so just use them. So you get like a 1,000 points for shooting a car minimum. Yeah. And you can scroll the cats, spikes, and cars off the screen by turning around and going in the opposite direction for a bit. How cool is that? Well, it's cool until a police car lands on you from out of nowhere. Yeah, you've got to dodge them. You can't you dodge can't... them, though. If, they land, if, they, if they're above you and you're going along, you can't dodge them. They you will land shoot. on you. you well, not shoot. if they're above you. You can what, so you can shoot oil cans up in the air? Just before they impact, you can get them. Yeah. Harumph. <laughs> Collect three orange balloons on each level, oh, oh, oh in, in total, and you warp ahead a random amount of levels, and you can get oil times a 1,000 points if you had 10, 10 oil cans. Do you know what that 10, sounds 000. like to me? That's yes. like a bug in the game. So what? A bug in the game code. They just thought, no. oh, well, let's make a feature out of it. No, it start, all the background starts speeding up. What, you mean it's... the process has crashed? <laughs> yeah, don't use that, though, because you get to some level where the platforms are hideously difficult to jump up yeah, the to. Game so the game will reset as well. Collecting random appearing objects, such as hearts and rabbits, can give you an extra life or warp you head a city. And if you drop it from the top, you can turn in midair. You've got enough space, enough time to turn in midair. Yeah, because so that happens in cars, doesn't it? Physics, physics. So you fall in, and you can you fall in right, and you can switch and turn left and land left, and then be on your merry way, shooting cans, trying to find your ideal fella. That sounds like a <laughs> sort of weekend away to me. Huh? <laughs> Graphics and sound. 
Sound is jaunty and cute. Graphics are pleasing. Unobtrusive backgrounds. Nice variation in the graphics in the backgrounds. You know, you know, you know that I abhorrently hate this game. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I hate about it, and another thing, when the game starts, it gives you, it waits like five seconds on a little countdown timer. Mm. God, that's irritating. A lot of them do that. A lot of games have like an intro screen or something, don't Not they? Not for five seconds. Maybe one about, second, two seconds to just what about you know turtles? ready and then get going. What about turtles? That's terrible. No, that's, that's a like, cute little thing. It's it's like a little sort of. Look, this is what's happening in the game. But when you play yeah. the, when you play this rubbish, every time you die, your car is on the screen. You see it there. There's nothing around. You're going to get you, so you don't need any time to get going. And it counts down five seconds before it lets you go. Why? It's just just clever programming. <laughs> this is how you said that. It, it's just clever programming. That is so let's, telling. Let's, let's move on, shall we? Look yeah, let's move on to next month's game. Cabinet art. Well, there was cabinet art for cruising, which looks pretty good. That that marquee looks very well done, doesn't it? No. You've got to say that's good. No. Say that's good don't like the sea. <laughs> don't like the singing cruising. Yeah, don't like it. it it's right. the wrong coloured car for a star. The car ain't red, is it? It's orange. It's it, it's or, it's orange. Yeah, just in my car. So so that's wrong as well. Well, it's a different version. Doing different well, version. isn't it? For 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 UK or something. Anyway, I never, saw, I never saw this in the arcade in the UK. Did you? No, but we've got a board at work. We have got a board. I might see if I might. Can see I borrow can it? Yeah, of course you can. Cool. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's now. It's so. It's, I think it's up to nine pound twenty. You can get it for now. I would, happi- I would happily play that to do what I'm going to do to it. You burn it, smash it to bits. Oh, much worse than that. You can hack it and put R type on. Actually, you can with most things. No, you can't really. No. Anyway, trivia. This is a good one from Kingy. RGDF. Oh no, no, you missed something. What? Go on. It's <laughs> Kingy's put, purely for scientific research, I tried ramming cats on my way home from work last night. This Oof. game is inaccurate. Those little buggers do not float slowly in the sky after collision. They hurl and scream. <laughs> hey, kids, don't run cats over. It's wrong. Don't run them over. Kingy didn't really do that. No. No. And, you know, keep looking for your ideal man. Uh, there's an amusing bug on the high score table initials input where you can't help but enter a double S. So S-A-H becomes S-S-A-H. How adorable. That <laughs> is, car. oh my God. What was that other game that you picked where you couldn't put an N in the in, in the high score table? Um, I can't remember. It's good though. That was another good one. No, it wasn't. I've not had a good year with games, have I, Vic? Really? No, you haven't. Have I picked a bad one this year? Yeah, loads. Name one. I'll, I'll, can you edit it Thank in? you very much. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I hate to say it, but Victor chose Lazarian. Yeah, just put... There, there's been loads, loads. Yeah, I'm sure. You, we've only done like 12 games, haven't we? Something like that. Yeah. This year. Maybe 13. Anyway, your car is thought to be a Honda City hatchback. Another link to the city. I've, I've read somewhere it is an actual Honda City. Is that a Civic? Know. In in Japan, is that what they call the Civic? I thought it was a Honda I Civic. I don't know. I don't know. 
Uh, there's a Japanese commercial we'll link to there, which is delightful. And it sounds there's... just like this. <laughs> And I found a, like a fan page for it. I'm not surprised. Was it your fan page? Because you're the only I'm person who likes it, Sean. I'm surprised there's not more fan pages for City Connection. Yeah, but it's, so am I. He tells you how to reveal hidden items. That's a good one. Put that in a no shows. No, not gonna. <laughs> the, the, the show page is just going to be me going itch <laughs> over and over again. Right. Let's do some. Oh, people actually played it. Oh my god, what's wrong yeah, with you there's, people? There's a few like protest scores. Do you know I what? Think. I'm really annoyed that, that Tronad scored less than me. Tronad's minus one. He yeah. doesn't like it. Uh, Video Tater, friend of mine, zero. I honestly can't figure out how to get my 10p score to list to show up, and I definitely ain't playing it again. Let's call it zero points for me. This game is awful. <laughs> this is yourself. Four points. City Connection is so bad, I went and sprained my thumb so I didn't have to play it. City Connection is actually more painful to play than my thumb is right now. Yeah, my thumb is so stiff still. Yeah, painful. Um, we will. I will give my ending opinions at the end. In fact, this nearly ended the podcast. <laughs> uh, Buttons, 978 points. That's a very low score. Well done. I don't, know, I don't know if I've done that right. You know, I might have missed something off. What, like a load of zeros? Yeah. What, zero, zero, anyway, 0.978? I will look into this. Sal Bug, even he doesn't like it. 27,100. What a horrible, horrible game. Thumbs down. Uh, Pilbo, 41,300 points. Right, I'm going to have to bring in the disapproving sheep. Remember the disapproving sheep? <laughs> the disapproving sheep is going to disapprove of every bad review from now on. Okay, right? so we've got Neil 20 to 5, friend, scholar, all-round decent bloke, 42,400 points, and he says, utter bobbins. Next. What do we say, sheep, to that? <laughs> not happy. He's not happy. Dunno, DNO, 44200. Uh, PGIDZ, 63,700. Sounds like a new player. Sorry we had to put you through that. <laughs> Vigilante, 67,600. Mr. Ross Ross, 71,600. And he says, My two cats voted on Sidekick and gave it a three and four respectively. They said it would have been a one star game, but their mate is in the game, so that upped it a bit. Well done, Ross Ross's cats. Old man Steve, 72,000. <laughs> game. El Meepo, 72,700. <laughs> Exploding Pinball Man with his Donkey Kong cabs, 73,200. One Punch Rob, 77,700. Groove Furnisher, he's got some grooves to furnish and they're going well. 90, or he's furnishing some grooves. Mm. Or grooving some furnishing. Yeah, we don't know. We'll have to ask him. 90k you got. Uh, Mr. Messi. Is that that footballer, Lionel Messi? I think uh, so. 94,900. Right, Mark Happy Dude, 115,800. I have played for the last two months and forgot to post my scores to the last minute or two late. He got 66k on Pengo. Score. So I'll post early to protect my poor memory. 
Basil the Sane. Who's this? 116,600. Have persevered with this and just managed to get over 100,000, but think that's about my lot, though. Well done. Mm. GJ Harris, 117,500. Haven't been able to put a score in, so I'll stick this stick with this one. Another score in, so I'll stick with this one. This was the Kingy, Cat Murderer, RGDS. Mm. 127,300. Yeah, sorry. Matt, Neo MK, 153,500. What a load of tosh. <laughs> a truly awful, bo- I know, sheep, I know. Truly boring, awful game that's right up there with Pack Rat. Oh, my Ooh. word. Imagine wasting money on this back in the day. We need a good game to finish this year next. Just a minute, Sean. Just a minute. I'm just recovering from that punch in the gut I just got from him then about this game. Oof. <laughs> Zistora, two hundred and two thousand seven hundred points. Ed Horse is back two ten seven hundred. Sol, two hundred and twelve seven hundred. No chuffing in don't I score entry. It's like someone took Flicky and made tracks and done a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a dog now, is that is that upset as a sheep? Majok, two hundred fourteen thousand. Uh, J Ping Barber, 229,600 points. I almost gave up on this after a couple of goes, but once I realised that you can change direction when falling, it became just about playable. Yeah. Needs a lot more variety to make a decent game. Not one I'll be returning to. Next game, please. <laughs> Sounds like a wet fart now, your sheep. Doug is, is enjoying this, his sheep. Charlie Farr, he's probably had one go. 275,100. Lucky Vic... Lucky Vic hurting his thumb so he wouldn't have to play this. I'll tell you what, as a, as a service to everyone else, right, if in future you pick such a bad game as this, I will offer to come round in person for free with a hammer and will break any of your fingers you like so you don't have to play the game. It's totally on me, that one. Totally on me. Oh, he okay. is Jimmy. 283,900 points. There is potential for a really fun game here, but ruined by some ill-thought-out design. The lack of a timer gives no incentive to advance. Instead, the easiest way to rack up point score is to press on point level on level one. And where is the fun in that? A lot of fun there. A lot no, of fun there. No Did fun. I enjoyed doing that. I got well into the groove. Uh, drums, the 292, 220. You missed Mark What No Gravy. He still hasn't got any gravy. But he got 288,900. Still equal parts frustrating, semi-enjoyable and stupid. Did I mention frustrating? Bloody cats. Oh, ZX Michael, 324,500. Nearly turned this off after five minutes. Glad I stuck with it. Good fun, apart from the cat appearing in front of you halfway through a jump. You see? People love it. Yeah, but ZX Michael is also fond of trapping his nuts in the fridge door. People love this game. And trapping their nuts in the fridge door. I'm going to do a American president and lie and misdirect. I, oh, no, sorry, you, not I, yeah. you, you, Sean. God, you played it for ages. You got 437,700 points. Yay! Let me just give you a congratulatory. <laughs> I got well into it, I really did. You are I mad. Just, You're mad. Honestly, that's playing it for three hours straight yesterday you know when you just chill just to zone out and put a podcast on no uh, no just... no 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 sean sean t- sean yeah yeah no right these no. these no. these no. no first two 
Right, Mr. Berserker was number one for a long time, got 540,400. It's curiously addictive, he said, which it is. Yeah, one and you game. missed out the lol at the end, because he obviously oh. means it isn't. He ends everything with a lol. Uh, he loves, he's, he loves very, it. He's lolling around. He loves it. Rygar, with 14 R's, he got a crazy score of 612,000 points. What level would you have to get onto to get that sort of score, Sean? Do you reckon? If you're playing it normal, you probably have to finish your game. But if you just rinse in the first couple of levels, which I think people were, probably will have a one or two. There's no, there's no point carrying on. You can do you know what that is? That's a sign of a bad game design if you can do that. It's, it's all the fun in the world you can have on level one. Just don't. It's just perfect. There's a game. I think it's Dominoes. You know the MCR game, Dominoes. Mm-hmm. It's one of those games where you can rinse the level to death by doing one simple thing. I think if you put a domino down and pick it up again or something like that and you keep doing it, you get loads of points just for doing that and you just stand around doing it. And that's why the Galloping Ghost, they removed the high score card off of it because that's what all people were doing on it. So the game was just basically so badly designed. Even though the cab is really nice, if you play the game properly, it's quite a fun little game. But you can just rinse it because they had a little silly... They missed out a design error in it, and it just made it unplayable. That's how your game is, Sean. <laughs> well, let's look at ports and sequels. The show it. Right, okay. Nintendo 3DS Shop had one. 3DS really? each shop. A bargain at £3.59, that's all it is. If Nintendo sent me £3.59 and this game, I'd use the £3.59 to send it back along with a cat turd in the box. Oof, not nice. There's also NES, PS4, I think that was on a compilation, and MSX versions. There was an Amiga ST version called Carve Up, C-A-R hyphen V. Oh, very clever, carving up the other cars. Yeah, and this, I I think I may have played this, but I can't remember. But when I looked at it on YouTube, I did recognise it. To be honest, this is a better game. It's it's more responsive, and there's lots of enemies and power-ups and bosses and that. And it's it's the same idea. You've got a that sounds reasonable. And you've got like instead of colouring the whole platform, there's dots in the middle of the platforms. You don't have to go right to the end to to fill in uh... all the dots. Okay, it, it that is, does sound a decent game. That sounds better, yes. PC, yes. a Japan only release, a PC game. I think it was some kind of weird Japanese PC in theatres. Theatres. Clarice DLC, this is bonkers. You know, the girl in it. Yeah. Is available for the game Paradise Shoot 'em Up. You know, that weird shoot 'em up where you fly over arcade cabs and cocktail yeah. cabs. And you can get DLC of her. We can fly Steam. her across the arcade shooting oh, stuff. I don't know. I don't know. On Steam and PS4, how weird is that? Mad. Anyway, there's what was mobile phone versions. There was a, a NES port on a mobile phone in 2002. There was City Connection DX in 2003. City Connection Rocket 2004. And this one's really considered a sequel with more pickups and boss battles. Oh, God. Right, Vic, what changes and improvements would you do to this immense game? I would let my dog take a dump on it. Yeah. <laughs> right. This is actually where I'm going to be serious and sensible about this for a change, rather than just saying it's poop. Yeah. What you said about the ST game back there sounds like this, what this game should have been. 
The mm. car is incredibly unresponsive. When you turn around, it takes ages to turn around. And when you're trying to get the end of the levels to get the uh, you know colour the end bits in, it's very difficult without falling off. And the reason I didn't play this game is because I couldn't get the hang of getting the car back up on the platform. So if you fall down to the bottom, getting back up again, you have to hold up and press the button, but at the right time. I think it's when you're in the middle of a gap or something. And for some reason, I couldn't... I, could, I think I managed to do it twice. And I thought it maybe it was something to do with the, my fire button. Maybe it was auto-firing or something, but I don't use auto-fire on my joystick. So I looked in the main... If there was any cheats... Um, set by accident and I haven't got that on STL MAME anyway because it's not, it's not I don't think it's a function on there I don't think you have to use it so I haven't got it so I don't know why I wasn't I managed to I didn't I couldn't manage to get back up the levels again but I got fr- so frustrated doing it I thought there was another button thinking oh you must have to press another button to go back up and down the levels but it isn't it's just one jump button that's all you got and I couldn't up, yeah. I couldn't easy. work out how to do it and it wouldn't work for me and I got so frustrated with it and the fact is, when, you, when you're going across a level, if you fall down on the end of a level and there's a police car coming you don't see, it will always land on you. You said you could shoot and get them. But I don't see how you'd do that if it's on top of you because you, you, your oil cans fly out from the bottom. I have got them, though. I've definitely got them. The game was just, it. It was just... You can scroll stuff on and off the screen. Obviously, it doesn't... When it goes off the end of the screen, it's not key, it doesn't move in, in the, the, the game's memory, if you want to call it that where it sort of keeps going and it knows where it is. And when you go back, it's going to be the same place it was before. That, to me, sounds like sloppy programming. They just, you know, it's gone out of the buffer and that's it. They don't care, it's gone. And then redraw one some random place else. It's just annoying. And It's, it's very clever place to keep your Sean, toes. you can stop trying to defend it now because you will not defend it towards me. <laughs> but that bit where you start the game and there's like five painful seconds... of a countdown, which has got no... There's no need for that in there at all. It's not like there's there's loads of baddies around you and you've got to work out where you've got to go before you get going. You can understand that. You know, It's giving you a few seconds to have a quick think of what's going on on the screen. There's nothing like that. It's just like a... Maybe they used that for, like, I don't know, for the game to load into memory or something. I don't know what... The, maybe it was a little trick they used to do that, but it was just poor. That bugged me. The music bugged me. The graphics are sort right. of... The graphics are reasonable 80s kind of graphics sort of thing not too bad the car's a bit weird shape as well and yeah it's just it bugged me a lot and the thing with the cat when you hit the cat it like flies off at a weird angle it's a weird noise it's very Japanese sort of Japanese pop culture kind of thing but it really bugged me and then those spikes I didn't know what they were at first I thought why did they start appearing road spikes there's road spikes everywhere you've not got them around your house no, we don't have road spikes in in London. Oh, we do. And what use are they, Sean? Are they are they do they annoy people? Oh, sorry, not spikes. Uh, bumps, road bumps. That's his defence. Road bumps. You can. I've I played it so much. I could. I knew when the spikes were going to turn up. Have you had it. a brain injury, Sean? <laughs> have you fell? Down the, if you had an old person know. moment and slipped down the stairs and bumped your head and went, I know what I'm doing. PC connection. It's great. I don't know. I don't and then you've come I on a podcast so for nearly two hours to talk about your, your trauma. Well, Mr. Rygar, his score's been slowly going up. He must have played it loads. He loves it. 
Yeah, but he lives in an institute. No, he doesn't. He's a pirate. Exactly. He thinks he's a pirate. He's buckling his swashes. Anyway, I would change. I would change. Quicker turning and jumping. Less oh, oh, that bit stuff, I hated. Yeah, yeah, I'd change that as well. Less jank. There is weird stuff going on. You can sort of make the police car stop if you turn around right in front of them. And the levels later on, they are. I tried it with cheats, and they are virtually impossible to do because you jump up from the bottom level. You've got a tiny little bit of platform to land on before jumping up to the level above it, and it's you just oh, leap. No, it's just that so sounds hard. really painful. Because I couldn't even get up the, I couldn't get the first level one. How would I have any chance of doing that? In all honesty, I think it could have been a really good game. It just needs polishing. It needs, you know, the turning sorted out. Like like carve up. It could have been more like carve up. But do you know what they say about turds? Don't you, Sean? You you can just no. They say you should never polish a turd because you'll get covered in shit. Yeah, but you could. You could remodel it. It's remodel a turd. Something perfect and beautiful. <laughs> Sean's remodeling a turd podcast. <laughs> oh, there's so, there so many. There are so many podcast titles we've got so far. Annoy. Bizarrely, I enjoyed this. I'll put another. I put another hidden gem from the Holly archives. This is my kangaroo. You know, you, you like kangaroo, which is absolutely abysmal. No, it's a really good little game. Um, when when you put this on our notes, I put something underneath it. Right, I put. I may have to call you a c word on air for that comment. A hidden gem from the Holly archives. Sean, I'm not yeah. going to say it, but you get the idea. I do. Anyway, so you didn't like You're it, a very then. lovely one, though. Oh, thanks, Phil. Oh. Uh, City Connection. Annoy, annoy, annoy. Annoy, it, it really bugged me. It, I honestly think, you know you chose Super Trio, which is probably the worst game we've ever played because it was bugged to hell and was just bad. And worse than Peter Packrat, which is almost impossible in itself. This is way worse. Well, I'm going to... I thought this game was broken, properly broken. I'm asking for a recount on the opinions. What, from Georgia? And Yeah, and I'm going to get my lawyers on it, and I'm going to change oh, what, it. what, Giuliani? Yeah, good luck with that. I'm going to change all the all the votes to great and... Uh, Bigly. Mm. Next show's game. Anyway, next show's game. I filled it in for you, Vic. It's City Connection 2 from Holly Homebrew Incorporated. And I wrote a few swear words. No. <laughs> and I put Mouser or Arabian. I am going to choose Mouser. Mouser. And I'm going to, I, know you, I know you were quite fond of Arabian. You can choose Arabian in the future if you like. I'm going to choose... Mouser. Don't know. Is that just? It's a one-screen platform game, isn't it? Yes, and it's right. quite janky. It's a quite janky game. So is Arabian, actually, but janky in a cute kind of way. In a in a forgiving, 
lovely, soft kind of way. Sheep's not happy if it's janky. Now, Mouser. Rom name. Mouser. Lives 3. Difficulty normal. Extra life at 20,000. So, enjoy playing Mouser. I hope you'll enjoy playing it more than I did the last game. Uh, you can submit your score to us. Email to the site is vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk. On Twitter, hashtag 10pscore. That's hashtag 10PSCORE. Or Facebook as a comment on the podcast post. Uh, get the Sidekick app if you haven't got it already, and you can put all your high scores in there and sort of challenge everyone. UK VAC, uh, you can get us on there on the forum. Uh, telepathy, Postal Chicken, uh, Rabid Bat, if you are, whatever. If you are a man, I can get Clarice to come round in a Honda City. Only and, if you're the ideal man, though. And Yeah, if you, you are a man and you're proper ideal, yeah. I'll get Clarice to come round and she can take your score on a nice little card and bring it back to us. But she might fire an all can at you. Like yeah. like ladies in cars do, obviously. I, know, I hate it when that happens. Do you know what the... I've just thought, right? I've just thought of one good thing about this game. It's Not got a female protagonist driving the car. It's the only good thing yeah. I can think about it. Mm-hmm. The deadline for the score submissions is Tuesday, 22nd December. So near to Christmas. Mm. Uh, 1,700 hours UK time, please. Well... Thank you for listening, kids. It's been very interesting, and I'm glad I'm just, we, we can edit this so it's a, a roaring success, the City Connection game. And... Sean, you do realise I'm editing it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, can I go in and edit your edit? No. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening, and have a good time, kids. We'll catch you next time. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for listening. Sorry about that. And goodbye. Oh, and Sean. Yeah. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10pencearcade. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups, and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 